Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hello. Thing Hello. Off here. Hello. Okay. Well, that was a interesting first attempt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we were testing out the hardware for uh, the upcoming Cocoa <laughs> Fest, and the poor thing fell flat in his face when we hit the go button. So that ain't gonna work. <laughs> I need yeah, to we can test it tomorrow a little bit, figure it out. Yeah. Were, were you on Wi-Fi or were you on wired? In? No, I was. I was uh, plugged direct. Okay. Uh, so, and to me, I thought that was going to be what the big problem was, is getting enough Wi-Fi. But no, this computer talked a good game, but uh, uh, struck out when we hit the go button. So, all right. So, got this going. Let's see. Welcome to episode 309. And, gee, I guess I didn't uh, up... Hopefully I updated everything else on this version. So this is supposed to be countdown to handling our show live. This is why you should have come to rehearsal. Yep. <laughs> Wait, we had a rehearsal? <laughs> yeah, we did. That's when the stream died. That was five minutes ago. <laughs> So, episode 309, Countdown to Cocoa Fest, which is next weekend. Yep. Let's see who we got on the panel today. Me in the upper corner here. Next Actually, over. as we go through the panel, have everybody uh, mention who's going to be at Cocoa Fest, too. Okay. All right. Well, Marco, everyone. you're next. Hi there. I'll be at Cocoa Fest. I have a presentation also on Sunday morning. Anyway. Cool. And Ron Delvo. Don't miss my WeFax demonstration at the show. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> drink. Kidding. But I will be there. Yep. Excited. Okay. Next up is Coconut Bob. Greetings, everybody. I will be there. I have uh, made a bunch of these LED adapters, and they are now solderless. So looking forward to seeing Will. Oh, you have to show us that. Uh, I don't recall you being on the show before. Or am I uh, just having short memory? Yeah, short memory. Short memory. Short memory. Okay. He's been on the last 20. He's never been to a Cocoa Fest before, though. Maybe that's what you're don't thinking. Don't worry. The, it it okay. happens to all of us as we get older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Next up, Kevin Holloway. Oh. Microphone's on. You can speak. <laughs> I can speak through your microphone, David. <laughs> Okay, uh, next up, uh, Patrick Euland. Howdy, folks. I will be there. Placard's ready. <laughs> ah, I see them there in the background. Got plenty of keyboards with you? 
Oh yeah. Uh, I'm still on the fence on uh, one for a Coco three because I do have one that needs a a new membrane. Don't be on the fence. Do it. It's worth it. I know sitting on the fence kind of hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Especially those pointy ones. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Next over, Terry Stiggy. Hello, everybody. I will be there in spirit only. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe that's good for you guys. (laughs) You're going to haunt us. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And we got uh, Ken Waters. I will be at Coco Fest as long as I survive the drive with Curtis. Oh, God. Speaking of which. Hell, Curtis Boyle. I will be there. And uh, Ken, even if I have to drag him behind the car on a tow rope, he will be there too. <laughs> Scrap him to the roof. There you go. <laughs> Bloody good. <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, Grant Leedy, you're up next. Hello, everybody. And yes, I will be at Coco Fest because I have to. Because without me, there is no Coco Fest. <laughs> yeah, just leave the tornadoes behind. Yeah, don't chase the storms yeah. here. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. Next over, since the screen just rearranged on me. Um, Fred Provencia. Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, I'll be at Coco Fest. Um, I have a presentation on Saturday morning, too. So uh, I better be there, I guess. <laughs> okay. What's it on? I better be. Uh, the new control panel. Uh, oh, for, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nitros 9. EOU. Actually, I, I, yeah, Ken and I forgot to mention we have a seminar too <laughs> on Saturday afternoon. Sorry, guys. Oh, we do. Got, yeah. Uh oh. And and what will yours be on uh, the trip over? Ken and Curtis, or uh, has that been determined yet? Yeah, we have, we have three little mini topics we're covering, and then we're taking some suggestions for our tech segment. We'll be starting up in May. So. Okay. Well, next on the panel, Brian Weasler. Hello, all. I will be at Coco Fest, and uh, Curtis, I have acquired a 30-cup percolator coffee maker that I will be bringing along just for you. Right. I, well, that, that's good. I was just going to ask, what are the rest of the people going to use? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to park that semi-truck? I'm, I'm still working on getting the uh, the uh, uh, paperwork straightened out, so... but. Uh, Hopefully. So are we just gonna we just gonna take a needle and put it in his veins and just put coffee through his through the the <laughs> do it by IV? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like Bill Murray in the Wear of the Buffalo Room. I'll have that little hat there and it'll just IV it down to my mouth. <laughs> okay, let's see. Jason's up next. Uh I don't know about you guys, but I have plans next weekend, so and and your uh, and your brother's coming still, right? Right. So not only will CocoMan.biz be there, but uh, there'll be an appearance there from Ken's Coco Corner at Coco Fest. Cool. So, you guys aren't sharing the same table. Their egos are too big. <laughs> no, I have two tables, and I'm I'm sure I can clear off a. Uh, I'm sure I can find corner. a small uh, spot somewhere for Ken's Cocoa Corner on one of the corners there. Exactly. The table. All right. But it's uh, all part of the Bring Your Sibling to Cocoa Fest program. And he's not the only one. Okay. And let's see. Let's do a line feed and the character turn. We've got Alan, Exile in Paradise. Howdy, howdy, everyone. No, I will not be at Coco Fest this year. You are safe once again. Okay. Um, and who in the world is it? Oh, 
The name says David Ladd. Hello, everyone, and it's good to see everybody's here today. And it's one of the rare times that you'll see me on video. Hope to see everybody at Coco Fest coming up next weekend. Yeah, now I know what you actually look like nowadays. So we'll look for you when we go there. Oh, so, don't worry. So whenever you see him coming down the hall, you got to duck in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next over, Nick Barentes. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, just swim yet? What? Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, I'll be sending my uh, avatar. So, uh, oh. yeah, can't make it physically. So I'll just, I'll just send my uh, my BS along. So it'll just be that one of those giant blue cats. That's it. Are and that gonna... does remind me, uh, uh, there will be a something from uh, Nick that will be handed out uh, to everybody that attends Coco Fest this year. So I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but uh, everybody will like it. As long as it is Neutroid, I'm okay with it. <laughs> what am I sending? <laughs> 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 Nick, you should get one of those little robots with like a video yeah. screen mounted on it, and uh, and uh, you know have your face remotely. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. <laughs> okay. Huh. Uh, last but not least, we got uh, John Schaller, Bodicar. Hey guys, uh, I will be at Coco Fest, and the one and only Aaron will also be at Coco Fest this year. So we are we're looking forward to it. Our maiden voyage. Are you guys? I have a question for John. Are you going to be participating in the David Ladd lookalike contest? Well, I, that's 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 my life, baby. Every day I get up out of bed wanting to look more and more like David Ladd. <laughs> really? really? We have treatment for that. <laughs> Are you going to drive up in a big '66 uh, Chrysler New Yorker? That's the uh, boy. If that if that's what David's driving, I really want to be like him. That would be great. That would be uh, that. Of course, that's a real boot of car. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can put six bodies in the truck. <laughs> yeah, I think. And how do you know this, Ron? Is my question. Uh, my brother had one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the trunk of that car is the size of several normal cars. So. Yeah. So we so, we, sh we should have a land that. yacht. Yeah. Sorry, we, we should have that contest. Everybody who wants to join the, you know, stand up in a line at Coco Fest and everybody votes on whichever one looks most like David Ladd. And so uh, it'd be interesting to see if David Ladd actually wins or not. <laughs> that'd, be a funny. The, that'd be helpful for the police. We all be in a big lineup. <laughs> and don't forget to bring your diet Dr. Pepper for the uh, David Ladd table at Coco Fest. <laughs> And uh, Aaron and I will be uh, recording a an episode of the Coco Show live, direct from Coco Fest. So that'll be exciting. Look forward to it. And that means there'll be a perfect time for me to pick on Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. To also, for those attending the fest, want. there, if you if you watch the show, the Coco Show with uh, Aaron and Bo slash John, uh, they will be taking reviews of Whirly Bird Run off the floor in the later part of the show. So if you haven't played it already, try to get some time in before the show. Thank you, Curtis. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let's see. Uh, uh, I didn't have a chance to say anything in the uh, chat, Mark. Uh, just regular people popping in. No questions so far. So. Okay. Oh, uh, I guess since we started off with me, uh, yes, I will be there at the fest. 
Uh, whether or not we do a show, we're still up in the air. <laughs> yeah, the initial test today didn't go so well. Yeah, uh, so we might be we might be streaming some of the seminars to our channel too. It's a possibility, or or st- to stream uh, the showroom floor too. We could do that. Try to do that if we need to. Yeah, hopefully. Actually, yeah, John. Since you guys are streaming your own show too, do you mind if we simulcast it or? Well, we will not be. We'll be. Uh, we'll be using your whatever materials are available <laughs> at Coco Fest. It's, that was part of our rider for attending. Oh, okay. Sorry. Now, hopefully, you got a hold of Grant. I know you two are supposed to be talking about some of that detail. Yeah, stuff, yeah, so. yeah. Apparently, yeah. Uh, everything. Now we will be making a local audio recording just in case everything falls through. But uh, other than that, we're not bringing any cameras or anything. We're there to enjoy the fest. Smart idea. It is good idea. Yeah. So, so which, so which means that his presentation uh, or podcast uh, will be streamed on the Glenn Sides uh, YouTube page, and then maybe our site too. If we can get that worked up. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what we got up first today. Um, Project Ryan Weasler, probably. Yeah, I think so. You know what? We got to make your own segment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Big big stuff to present too, right? Coco convoy and a big old semi truck, you know. Brr, brr. I can see yeah. it now. Yep. Used to be backing up to a dock. So, what's on the walnut table today? What's on the walnut table today? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a couple things to share with you guys, I guess. All right. Go for it. <clears throat> uh, so, a couple weeks ago here, I'd shown uh, some uh, books that are related to the uh, color logo. And let me switch cameras here. There we go. And uh, I got this book here just recently, kind of another one of the uh, books that were available there. This one here is uh, a color logo, but uh, kids working with computers. And uh, it basically shows how to use color logo and get you started with it. I mean, uh, it takes it right from the introduction of whether or not you have a cartridge or uh, or a disk drive. It tells you what to uh, what to type in and everything. So it's kind of a... Kind of a nice little book, you know, talking about uh, logo and how to uh, how to just do some basic stuff. Like example here, to do a rectangle, you know, shows the commands down here. You know, to go, you know, forward sixty, make a right turn, go go forward forty, make another ninety degree turn, and so on, and then come back around right where you started from. So that's no, just kind of a nice nice little book there for uh, for color logo. Add add to my group of uh, other logo books that I have. Do you remember what the word logo stands for? Mm. That's a good question. I'm not sure if I do. I don't know. I don't know if it stands for anything, or was it just a name they picked? Hmm. I thought, you know, it would be an acronym for something interesting. It could be, but I'm, I'm not sure if it is. Hmm. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll do some checking on that. that that's a good question. Um, the next, uh, I was going to show you guys here, just another item here. Um, uh, the other day here, this may have been a little while back here, maybe about two weeks ago. Uh, Ed, uh, is it, uh, Orby or Orby? Is that my pronounce that right? Um, he, he posts and things like that on the, uh, uh, on the Facebook page. And, uh, at first glance, does anybody know what this is? It's pretty whited out, so I can't even see any details. It's, like it's, just, it's, compl- it's completely white. I got it flipped it's over a, here. So it's a cartridge. It is a cartridge. cartridge. No clue though. Is that Looks like a MIDI port to me. Oh, yep. And out through it's MIDI. Yep. Yep. It's MIDI. And no uh, screw. He, yeah, I took the screw out so I could open the cover here for you guys. So <clears> whose <throat> MIDI is it? 
Let me zoom in just a little bit here for you. Is that a Dallas semiconductor real-time clock? No, it's a ROM. So he was selling this one here, and uh, he sold it as a package uh, with some other things there. But uh, I hadn't seen this one before. Um, it's, uh, it's a MIDI interface, uh, the Coco MIDI 2016. And down here it says it's from the uh, it says uh, the uh, Titanium Studios. And I was doing some looking on it. I really haven't found a Jason, whole lot for that. Jason Lee Steer. You can still get a hold of him. He's on Facebook. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I was just starting to do some detective work on this one here. I don't know if was this one is this an original design or is this based off of another interface and this was just his reproduction I, of it? I don't That's, know. I think it's I think it may be a reproduction. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him about that. I got the proto boards from him, you know, the the ones I've had. Mm -hmm. well, but I haven't looked at his MIDI interface. Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll maybe reach out to him and see what he has there. But I haven't had a chance to test it out yet. I was going to do that uh, this weekend or or maybe after. I might even bring it to the fest and and play with it there too. I might bring some uh, some other MIDI stuff that I have and throw some different things together there. So, but uh, no, it was kind of a, a nice. Uh, it's a nice three D printed case that goes with it. And uh, so, is was, that biggest chip uh, a sound chip of some kind, or is it just uh, for traffic? It would be just for traffic because the 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 sound is actually reproduced by whatever your MIDI device. Yeah, the synthesizer is. itself does the sound. Yep. Okay. So this is just uh, your data throughput is all this is doing. So, serial okay. communication card is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's an oddball yeah. serial rate for MIDI. Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry about the but, shaky cam again, there, guys. Right. Yeah. The desk Brian, Brian, we got an answer to your logo from Alan Murphy. He says okay. uh, logo is not an acronym. It was named for the Greek logos, meaning word or thought. Ah. From Wikipedia. Excellent. There okay, we go. That's cool. Um, with the uh, with this stuff here, Ed was also. Uh, I'll just show this though. He he also had the MIDI cable. There's you know maybe you guys have all seen those before. It's uh, yeah. just a basic cable. Um, and then he was also selling this with it though. It's the uh, it's the Roland. I have a couple. I have a couple different ones. This one here happens to be nice. the uh, the CS88 Sound Canvas. Yeah, Sound Canvas yeah, one. Nice. SC and SC yeah. there. Yep. And uh, if it'll focus here, this says general MIDI is what this says underneath there, which is which is what the Coco uses. It doesn't use anything more modern. Uh, it still uses the general MIDI as far as your instrument selection goes. So, so what would that do? So on the back here, here's your, your ports. And so from the cartridge, you would go mm -hmm. out the cartridge and in to here. And what this will do is then with your MIDI, um, it has... Uh, the uh, the instructions that are sent across the MIDI would say, okay, what instrument and uh, you know the tone, the beat, uh, all the information related to that, and then this is basically what's producing your sound. So yeah, that's a synthesizer audio. itself, just without a keyboard. Exactly. Yep. So this actually would produce the audio. So when you're playing the MIDI file, um, does, does that this, do any amplification? No. No, I mean. Uh, there is a volume there, there is a volume control on it and there is uh audio out here but you could plug a set of speakers right into this and uh and play if you wanted to speakers. So, yeah so but uh, no, that's uh the only two things I uh had to share today but uh look forward to kind of playing with this I've kind of I, I want to learn more about MIDI and uh and play around with it a bit more might uh, might show this to Brian Schubring when he's at the I think is is Brian Schubring going to be at the at the fest, he usually is. Yeah, usually pretty is. sure he is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he'll be there. Okay, 
So I was going to share some of this MIDI stuff with him. I have a few questions on some other things. So, but that's all I had uh, today, guys. Okay, cool. That's the end of the show. There you go. Short, <laughs> short and sweet. Maybe outro, outro Frank. And, and Ken Waters, did you have something to show today too? I do have one thing to show. Um, so I finally picked up something now that I've been looking for for a while. It's uh, not exactly Coco related, but it's Tandy related. So, Uh-oh. Girlfriend. I got myself a... Tandy Vision. Tandy Vision 1. Ooh. The wood grain in television. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so the Radio Shack version of the Intellivision. Show us the bottom. this one doesn't work. Show you the bottom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got to have that serial number, man. What year did that come out? I can't remember. Uh, I believe 1982 or three. They got the rights to sell them in, in Radio Shack. Does it take cartridges on the side? Yeah, it's, an it's, exactly, it's exactly an Intellivision. Unfortunately, that one doesn't work, so I just I have to fix it still. But um, I've yeah. never had one, so I don't know that they. Yeah, so. it's it's basically like Ron. It's it's basically like a Coco versus a TDP. Yeah, all so the, the peripherals, all the software just works slightly. Cartridges just go in here. So you could put twenty any Intellivision in cartridges. Oh, Intellivision ones. Okay. Yeah. So Mattel. actually, Intellivision had an Atari twenty six hundred adapter, if I remember correctly, didn't it? Uh, the the ColecoVision. I'm thinking of. No, the Coleco had the Atari twenty six hundred. The Intellivision actually had an add on for speech, and it also had an add on for actually a computer, so a keyboard and. Yeah, the Aquarius or something it was called or something? No, not the Aquarius. You could actually, there's actually an add-on for the Intellivision. They actually got sued because they had advertised that they were going to release a full computer add-on for this, and they never did. Okay. Oh, Terry's got something there. What is it? Yep, that's the voice. Oh, you got the voice? Yeah, voice. Uh, Wrong one. (laughs) Wrong Terry. (laughs) Wrong Terry. Okay, hang on. Um, (laughs) So close. Now I gotta move things around and change <laughs> that one. And Terry, 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 there he is. There's that Terry. <laughs> yeah, all the lights probably just blinding everything, so you probably couldn't see. Yeah, so there's the IntelliVoice, and then there is the computer add-on, which is plugs into the side that's extra memory, and then a keyboard on it, so you actually turns it into, I don't know how functional of a computer, but a computer. Does it sound like this? I think that would be a better sound. This is actually pretty good. Uh, Yeah. Things to support it. The one that I remember was B-17 Bomber, and it actually has an accent. So it's like, that was not a target. Freaking hilarious. (laughs) Was it it as good as the TI-99s? Because from that time period, that's the one I measure everything against, because that one was awesome. It was very similar. I think the Parsec on the 99 had better voice, but not by much. Okay, that's that's actually surprisingly good. Why aren't you comparing to the Tandy? Uh, Have you heard the Tandy speech chip? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't do an accent. It's a it's a it's an older generation one. It does an accent. It's just not an understandable one. <laughs> it sounds like a Dallas voice for the Coco Two, and uh, in my head, burned into my memory for all time, will be how it uh, pronounces the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was very robot sounding. <laughs> yeah. Bio command. <laughs> 
Battlestar Galactica. Anyway, did anybody else have anything uh, to show off? I I've got something. If anybody yeah. else doesn't, yeah, go ahead, Terry. Well, I'm now that Mark's learned how to her. highlight you, uh, we feel this. Yeah. Oh, I found you. <laughs> right. Let's see. I got these in that uh, large. I'm going through that large uh, collection finally, and I actually thought I'd had all that there was of this, but they're actually in um, pretty nice bounders. They're called Tandy Home Education System. Uh, sorry. Right. And they've got in them um, all kinds of books and. There's there actually is software for kids. That's this one. Yeah, that's but, the uh, children's television yeah. workshop ones or CCW, I guess, computer computer workshop, right? Um, yeah, that. Let's see, is that this one? No, if it's all Sesame sure. Street characters. It should be. This is actually. I thought it was, but it's not, Curtis. This oh. is. Um, oh, I wish I could. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Let's look at this one. So this is the. Uh, color logo version that they had and it's got a completely separate kind of uh book that i hadn't i actually hadn't seen these before kind of like what brian was showing but these are the the tandy ones that were out but they had what is there six or seven different ones of these mark siegel says the learning company the learn that's it. Thank you. Yes, the learning company. I, I had a couple of those, but uh, your collection is more extensive. Yeah, yeah. I just had never seen. I, I'd all I'd gotten was a couple of the books before. I never had these uh, binders. So anyway, just that I thought I would share that. There's um, cooperative strategy color logo. Man, do you think you have them all now? From what I could see online, yeah, I think that's the whole bunch. Mark might know better, but because these were all sold individually originally by Tandy around 83, 84, weren't they? And then this is kind of like bundled versions they made later. I honestly have I just don't know a whole lot about them. Mark would know more than I would. I'd love his take on them. I do remember logo, like the cartridge had a, a completely different manual from what I remember. It did, yeah, it's a big one. Um yeah, like an 8 like by like eleven one? or something. What age group uh, that might be for? You know, is this for kids that are in fourth? It'll grade depend on which package, I think, because there was. Yeah, they're all completely stage. different. I don't know if it says here. 84, 1984 is this, the children's one. Uh, the logo is looks much more advanced for adults. Um, Larry. Harry? Yeah, and George Gerhold. Doesn't say a year though in this one that I can find. Nope, eighty-two. Sorry. So, anyway, that's all I have to show. Do you have Do you have Vidtex in your collection? I have a couple. Yeah, I have. Um, in in that binder, it was around. Oh, in that type of binder, I have the other one. Yeah, here's here's a. I can't even see because I can't get on Twitch right now. I, oh, okay. So yeah, that's one I. So here's here's the one that I had. Wow, well, except Tandy, not yeah, Tandy. See here here's the Tandy education <laughs> oh, system binder. Uh, 
the same program in the uh, and you can see the red is all gone. This sat in the window so long it's now blue around the edges. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunately very cool. I used it to store my uh, unfortunately I used it to store all of my game books and probably threw away the Vidtex program completely. So this is well, all I have of it. But there used to be one. It existed. Rick, your band was pretty bad, so it's kind of hard to see the details in the box. Is that video text or vidtex? So the two different Vid-tex. products. Vidtex. That's the CompuServe compatible one, isn't it? Isn't that the CompuServe compatible one? That supported B protocol and all that stuff? CompuServe and Dungeons. Oh, yeah. Here Those are two different products entirely. There's the stick. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. But this is just another Tandy Educational Systems branded yeah. thing that uh, I wish I had the the guts out of it. <laughs> no kidding. That's really cool. Yeah, because I remember I, I bought on the, the Vitex. It was just, the, oh, good. No, I was just saying there's nothing on the back. Um, no name at all. If, but there is on the front. So I don't know. This looked familiar and it was. Because I bought an earlier version of the Vidtex, which is the CompuServe one. It was actually designed with the screen codes, reading early graphics, the B protocol download and all that stuff. It wasn't the same one. It wasn't one of those Tandy educational gray binders. That was uh, you know, an older style one that I had. So did Rick spoil your complete uh, collection then with this extra one that you don't have? Terry? Yeah, I'm going to be yeah. in a lot more. <laughs> 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 and Terry, Rick was going to be at the show. He's willing to sell it to you, yeah. and you're not going to be there. Oh, well. well story of yeah. my life. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have anything to, to show off before we continue on? Well, I guess one more thing while I'm on here, and since talking that Bob is here, his keyboard. That's a melty. Now works as a keyboard. I'm just, I'm just waiting on a few small corrections, a replacement to the prototype board that has pretty much every mounting hole moved by a tenth of a millimeter or two. And then uh, this will be the wow, last Rick, your bandwidth that I know the heck. that exists for people. <laughs> it says that, yeah. Yeah, I can't even get on Twitch or backup restream or anything. Well, if you can un- hear the words, I guess. Uh, yeah, we can hear you fine. Hey, just so we're getting the slideshow. Maybe you ought to feed that mouse. Oh, okay. Got yeah. <laughs> You got to quit yeah, streaming it, Netflix on your my, other my TV. Inter- <laughs> the, uh, the, the speed test won't even complete. So it's under one meg up and five meg down. That's a miracle you're coming. Anyway, through. I'll just watch from now. But- yeah, I think you That's need, need to put can more do. wax on your string. <laughs> Possibly so. Pull it a little tighter. Yeah, maybe maybe some uh, new tin cans for you. Hey, um, Curtis, is this what you were talking about? The Sesame Street people? DCW, yeah. Okay. Yeah, children's Computer those. Workshop instead of Children's Television Workshop. Gotcha. Okay. They had multiple series from what I remember, but all the Sesame Street characters were part of that. It's like the Grover, the Cookie Monster games and stuff. I think we're originally from them. Cool. Thank you. That's. I was just wondering if that's what you were talking about. They got discs in there. 
I was just looking through them. I haven't even been in them yet, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think the, if I remember correctly, I might be remembering this wrong, but I think the original CCW titles when they first came out to the Coco were on cassette. So the fact that they redid them with disc is actually a good good thing. Yeah, ones yeah, I had were too, ones right? I had were disc. Yeah, they got like laminated cards and all kinds of stuff in here. Nice. Anyway. So now you don't have an excuse to be non-educated without telling me. I still do. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, I don't know how to run them. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, Curtis, you're right though. The the CDW they did have uh, four or five of them that uh, that were in the uh, blister pack that were on cassette. Yeah, that's the ones I remembered. <laughs> Anybody else? Or are we continuing on? Go let's. Going twice. I guess I have one thing I could show that I've sneaks it in under the wire. Go ahead. Working on. Um, let's see which... Who's talking? Okay. Looking at Bob talking. Okay, gonna... there you are. I guess. Let's see. I think I'm on my uh, this camera right now. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to switch to the overhead. <laughs> it's not it. Color bars. Cool. All right. So I guess you can see I've got a little bit of stuff. Oh, he's got a triad there. in there. Got that yep. too. See if it works. Like that. That. Yeah. No. Well, that's a little LED readout, not just a a light. Yes. That's cool. Is that part of a GoTech or something, or it is a GoTech. Okay, but I, I got a rotary wheel on the side here. That's oh, cool. I want one of those. That's <laughs> the world's tiniest monitor. <laughs> yeah, you play the games on there too, or <laughs> he violated the warranty. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's something. I will have this computer with me at the fest, and probably just set up to. You can see the USB key here. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh next to that uh, floppy disk. Yep. What's the slot there? That is cool. So this is the former eject button. This is the actual rotary knob that I... Oh, to fl flip through on the... Uh, GoTech, yeah. yeah. Go and then what's on top there? Uh, the white thing? Yeah. So this white thing is actually going to be joystick buttons. I've got a little Arduino joystick that I'm going to temporarily put there, but that's all that's temporary. This is a, the white plastic is a back of like a, one of these IDC connectors. Mm. And it just happened to be convenient size that I could put it on there and take it off without any case mods. Cool. And then, uh, yeah, because you're you're really not into modifying the case. I can tell. Not scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not modifying all of them, you know, just the, <laughs> the one or two here and there. But and then this was the connector for the entire the encoder, the display, and the fan. This is the type of stuff I remember seeing so much in the 80s and 90s. Like everybody was modding Cocos or putting them in PC cases. Or exactly. so now, now everybody's trying to collect them in, in pristine condition. So now it's a bit 
rare to see them. It's going to be really cool to see one of them actually at the fest. Yep. No, okay. don't switch cool. that. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm still troubleshooting it. The uh, getting the real drive and the GoTech working together is kind of tricky for some reason. Marco, where's your visor? I got my magnifying visor on, like Bob does. It's in my uh, it's in my backpack. I can grab. Already packed up, ready uh, to go. Ready to go. <laughs> another uh, another level up. Pound of solder gone. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> It's working. Hey, and the oh, other here it comes. There we go. There, he fixed it live. Yeah. <laughs> it actually I.O. aired. I don't know if it was supposed to I.O. error, but at least it read the correct drive. What it's been doing is no matter which drive number I access, it was reading the GoTech. So at least it read the floppy drive this time. Progress. It's because it's, 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 because it's live on camera. Right. <laughs> Had to show up. It's trying to look cute for its close up. Yeah. As soon as the camera turns off, it says, okay, let's get him again. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll randomly disconnect wires in the drive down to the fest. So that's why we don't do hardware, Curtis. Yep, exactly. I have enough problems with uh, what's the cuckoo equivalent of a blue screen? <laughs> that's why I haven't really, that's why I really haven't done any. Uh, hardware mods myself to any of my cocos. It's just I I'd be so afraid of screwing something up. <laughs> yep, me too. I've only got two coco threes and one coco one, so I'm not hacking those. Can anyone identify this? Oh, let me blow it up. <sighs> not Tennis a no. There's even a picture to identify it from. It's foam. It's a dat board. Well, inside the piece of foam. Um, close. Uh, it's a it's, former DAP board. That's how my week's been yeah. going. So, did all, did all so my two men got very again. Because <laughs> this just decided to stop working this week. It's like your bandwidth. With, with smoke. Yeah, just like my bandwidth. Yeah. Not bad for a Coco doing it, though. So, so. So I'll stop while I'm behind. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be buying things at the fest. That's. I think your bandwidth in person will be better, so that'll be good at the show. So someone loan Patrick a cup of bandwidth. <laughs> right. Anyway, the if there's no more isn't completed yet. <laughs> if there's no more uh, presentations, and and people should you know keep the powder dry for releasing stuff at the fest too. I'm sure there's going to be some surprises there. Um. Did you want to do the, the game on challenge next? Or do you want to go yeah, on to talking about Coco Fest next or what? Um game on. We'll run a couple commercials. Uh is there anything else to talk about on Coco Fest? Well, just maybe expectations, uh, especially people that are going to the show for the first time, or if they have any questions for us that have been to, to many of the shows. Hmm, talk about David Ladd's hair. Or lack thereof. That was a, that was a short episode. David, so, uh, show Jason <laughs> what you're drinking. Did we do David or uh, Grant's announcement yet? Uh, 
on the air? I don't think so. Yeah. Is Grant still got banned with the doctors? Uh, he's still on the call. I don't know. It looks like he's running. He might be in a tornado right now. Yeah, I'm here. I'm still here. Yes, and actually, I'm running from three inch hell right now. So, <laughs> oh hell no, <laughs> no hell yeah. So Grant, yeah, you, so you got a couple that, quick announcements about the fest. So go ahead. Yeah. So the thing is, the hotel has been very, uh, very nice to us, and they're willing to work with us. So if you uh, have not booked your hotel room and you would like to have the discounted rate, uh, just reach out to me. Uh, my yeah, email address is cocofest at glensideccc.com. Also, if you are wanting to uh, participate in the dinner on Saturday night, just also send me an email too. And then you can pay for that at the door when you arrive at the show. So at the that at is what the day, announcements that I have. At what day do what? you have to tell the caterer how many? Uh, we have until Friday. So, I mean, we, we have about a 10-person, you know, leeway we can go with. So it's... A meal's still under 100 bucks, so we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're only $43. Yeah, after I get through the buffet, there are no leftovers. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that is true. And we're going to run out of coffee way before that. So, we, and also just, uh, just again, uh, thanks to, uh, Nick, uh, and also another individual, everybody will be getting a little something in their packets when they arrive at the show. So, Oh, you mean we get a gift bag like the Oscars? Yeah, exactly. Swag. Cool. Free swag. Yeah. We haven't had those. I remember Coca Fest and Rainbow Fest used to have swag bags. It was used like promotional materials from various companies, but yeah, they're printed cool. out or pins. Like we had the little, you know, Jurassic Oss, you know, something has survived. Picture Windows yeah, so basically, crashing. it's a it's a product it's a product that a uh, one of the one of our members is uh, doing. So he wants to uh, give a um, you know everybody a free product with it, and it's also got something from Nick in there too as well. So I'll let you guys kind of think what that might be. <laughs> oh, well, I think I know what it is. Yeah, an Australian to English translation guide would be handy. <laughs> <laughs> so how to speak yeah, so, real Australian? It's four hundred three. Yeah, so I think. I think we'll have a great show. So uh, there's a lot of people that are showing up this year that haven't been to the show for the last couple of years due to COVID and everything. So I, uh, or never been before at all, like year. a couple on the panel yeah. here. Yep. Exactly. That too, as well. So, so I think we'll have a good time. So I hope I'll see everybody there in, uh, next weekend. Cool. Anybody have any questions? Better clarify with David Ladd what you mean by have a good time. <laughs> Does anybody have any questions or anything while I'm still here? How are the elevators working? Elevators are great. Uh, this is a <laughs> fairly uh, renovated hotel, so uh, all the rooms uh, are going to be the uh, newer furniture and uh, stuff. So it's it's located in a better area. So if you get the munchies at two o'clock in the morning, there's going to be places you can go to. It's not going to be an industrial park area or anything like that. So. I think uh, everybody will be. Have we learned the, the fire department work. to be on standby? <laughs> well, actually, the fire department have is only about two or three blocks away. Have we delivered the fruit basket to the fire department in advance? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think nobody. I have a guess. the 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 uh, the, uh, the the gift from Nick is um, it's going to be kangaroo jerky. <laughs> <laughs> I hope nobody's uh, upset because we can't touch the bird this time. Well, well, that hasn't been for a couple to, years. You can hop in the car and just you can hop. Yeah, in the it's car just down the, the road. So three miles. Yeah, three miles away from that location. So you really want to do uh, that? 
I guess I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you're if you're if you uh, put enough into it, I'm sure someone will give you a bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to be able to stand in front of the uh, dinosaurs again? Yes, Tim is bringing the uh, poster. Oh, good. So to to explain the fire joke to those who don't know, I guess with the is it the last three out of four or four out of four Cocoa Fest, we've had a visit from the fire department at the hotel. Two well, separate we sites. Had. We knocked the hotel the elevator out. <laughs> well, that's yeah. because David Ladd left his curling iron plugged in the last time, isn't it? <laughs> Excuse me, what curling iron? <laughs> now maybe the the uh, the soldering station might have been left plugged in, but no. They had too many pops oh, in the. That, that's the kind music. of good time we have. Yeah. Yeah, just like so. Anyway, a quick question for Coconut Bob and for John Schaller um, before Grant leaves. Uh, since this is the first fest that you, you two have ever gone to, any questions or comments for him? Nope. Nope. That I am going. That's a good that thing. <laughs> Don't worry, John. I'm looking forward to pestering both you and Aaron. We'll be around all weekend long. You know what's going to happen right after you leave, Grant? I'm going to come up with like five questions. Um, <laughs> the way it always goes. I was thinking of something to ask after. <clears throat> yeah, that's wait. where Discord comes in handy. Yeah, yeah well, anybody who does have any well. questions last minute, Grant is active in our Discord. So just uh, let, send him a message. Or CocoaFest at glensidecc.com. Yep, that'll work too. If he's not killed by a tornado between now and then, anyway. <laughs> top, top secret documents on Discord. Does the hotel have shuttle to uh, the airport? Oh, that's good. Question. No, nope. There is no shuttle this year. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to Uber it then, I guess, huh? Yep. Unfortunately, so because uh, I don't think the old location with the Aaron Point, we didn't have a shuttle at that one either, did we? You remember Curtis? Um, I, I drove, I so I don't, I'm did. sure. Yeah. Because so, we're about this, we were just a little bit further from that location. I so. mean, there, there's a chance if you make arrangements to some of the local people, they're like a Brian Schubring or something like that. I'm not saying he'll do it, but I know in the past he sometimes picked people up at the airport and brought them in. Just you can kind of meet and greet yourselves, you know, ahead of time. Uh, but you'd have to kind of make those arrangements at least a couple of days ahead. That would that would be cool? Yeah. Uh, if anyone's local who can, uh, you know, I don't want to be a burden though. Is there a, I remember in the past, I didn't see it this time, but was there a uh, channel in Discord for the CocoFest Travelers? I think uh, there's a CocoFest channel. channel. I don't know about Travelers, but. I mean, like a voice Yeah, channel? there's a CocoFest channel. Yeah, there was there was one in Discord, at least in the past. I don't remember if it's still there or not. You know, for people driving in so they can keep them awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you mean just the chit chat on there and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I think we just used the general channel, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. The past? Okay. Okay. And Ken Ken Waters has to suffer through me live. That's that's his way of staying awake or in pain or something like that. Well, then you take the scenic route. So you're gonna go. You're gonna go from Western Canada to uh, Arizona to Mississippi, and then the Chicago, I believe. No, actually, we're doing Tennessee, <laughs> but I'm going Western Canada to Saskatoon, down to Chicago, down to Tennessee, back up to Saskatoon, then back to Western Canada. Yeah, and then are you uh, still going to Ontario it? later this summer? Yeah, right after I get back. <laughs> what's if in Tennessee? 
Um, the Vintage Geek Museum, which is not open to the public yet, has graciously allowed me and Ken. We'll be going. It's in Knoxville. And uh, we're going to be going there and uh, getting a bit of a preview tour and maybe record some footage for that, which will be up, up on Ken's channel because I'm not a guy who normally does that type of thing. Oh, which reminds me, if you guys can, uh, if anybody gets there early on Friday, uh, like in the afternoon time, uh, we'll need help to go to the uh, VCF um, warehouse, which means if you want to take a peek around what they got in there, that might be a good time to do it. Yeah, actually, they got a actually, ton of really cool old stuff in there. Everything you can think of. Yeah, we do need help. So uh, if you, it's also a good way that you can get in and take a sneak peek. They're doing a lot of renovations right now. So we, I don't know if they're going to be able to do a formal tour like they've done in the past, but uh, but we'll definitely need help uh, getting the stuff out. Yeah, the first the first time I ever saw a real life Channel F was in that warehouse last time. Okay. They've got a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there is there is a Coco Fest channel on Discord. It's under the events tab. Ah, that's right. I didn't find it. But uh, Grant, yeah, Grant, Grant, I'm getting in about ten, and I'll be uh, renting a pickup. Okay, it's cool. Like like I did last time there. Yeah, I got I got to send the email to Jason and let him know that uh, we'll probably be heading over there around two or three. So uh, when the when's the uh, when's Aaron coming and them? Because I think they wanted to see it, didn't they? You mean Aaron and John? Yeah. What time are they when when are you coming in? Uh, we'll be in there probably uh, Saturday or, or I'm sorry, Friday. We're hoping Friday around five. Okay. And how long are you staying? Uh, we'll leave Sunday, probably Sunday uh, late morning. You know, something uh, that's probably pretty cool is one of one of these guys driving are going to be able to uh, help the author of the new game that might arise by something they find in the road that they hit. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost last year. <laughs> it's yeah. been done. The sequel to Nightmare Highway was going to be Nightmare Elevator, but I don't know what happened to that project. Actually, it was just that drive, was gonna be drive leaving Chicago where we almost got, <laughs> got rear-ended. And, yeah. I think the game was, uh, <laughs> uh, was going to be Elevator in Action. <laughs> Elevator and flames, something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, tell you what, shall we run uh, do some commercials and then move into the uh, game on results? Yeah. yeah. Sounds yep. good. Okay. Um, okay, so here's a new commercial put forth. And where's the button? Here's the button. Some people have big plans after school. What's little Curtis is going to do? Little Kenny, too. L. Curtis is at work on OS9 improving the ease of use so his pen pal Nick can better program new games. And Kenny is at his Radio Shack Color computer playing his favorite game of the week. But wait Curtis is now documenting every single Coco game, and Kenny's now having a blast with the second game of the week. You could spend 24 hours a day inside your bedroom playing and working on your Coco. That is until your mom yells the most dreaded words ever. Get outside and get some fresh air right now. You have to listen to your mom. What other option is there? On Saturday, April 22nd, come visit the Charmark Computer Booth 11 at Cocofist to discover the answer. We look forward to seeing everyone there.
The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gayer, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Ascom, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Dinty's Hideaway, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, John, Boat of Car Schaller, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Spotless Mind 1975 says, Hello, my name is Marco. I was invited into this channel since I am the author of UG Basic. UG Basic is an isomorphic compiler with a modern IDE, UG Basic IDE, that outputs TRS-80 color computer binary file and or disk image for running on that machine. The same source file can be compiled for other 8-bit platforms with the same or other CPUs as well, with little or no changes. The whole project is open source. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Cruise Mongers, Glenside Computer Club, Nightbeard, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. Because cocoing is better together. Don't miss the 31st annual Last Chicago Cocoa Fest. April 22nd and 23rd, 2023. Go to tandylist.com or blendsideccc.com. Register today. Don't miss it. Candylist.com BlendsideCCC.com Register today April 22nd and 23rd, 2023 Don't miss it April 22nd and 23rd, 2023 BlendsideCCC.com Welcome, everybody, to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. 
This week we played A-Rex. We had a total of 10 players. We had Mr. Dave 6309 with 6820. Shenley 8230. Coconut Bob 8270. Mark B 9260. Ed Rhodes 13,040. Jim Rye 17,020. Canadian Retro Things 18,380. L. Curtis Boyle, 19,620. Buck Owens, 29,320. And the number one score this week was Sloopy Malibu with 34,150. Thanks everyone that played, and we'll see you again in two weeks after Coco Fest. And here he thought he didn't put in a score. Hmm. Who's Sloopy? Yeah. Yeah, because he's just used to always forgetting to uh, post a score before I say that the uh, time is over. And he's not even on the show today to celebrate his number one finish. Is that his first number one? No. Not. I he think he got Detroit one other. Well. Okay. Didn't he win New Detroit. Detroit or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, New Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Very They're good. really winning. I mean, but the, really, that's, yeah, <laughs> one person played, so. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the only one that, well, never mind. First, second, and third. Okay. <laughs> He's the only one that knew what they were doing. Huh. All right. So for Arex, I found in um what am I looking for here? Share your screen. Yeah. Um why don't I have all my things on here? Okay, well, I will share that and switch over here. So I found one score entry for a high score. And, uh, yeah, 33,170. So I would say that that's very um, plausible since that's about what our high score was. And it's the only entry that I could find for this game in any of the high score lists. So not terribly popular for uh, putting in um, scores on this. That's too bad. Actually, it's a fun game. It is, actually. And uh, there was a review in, this would have been... Uh, Rainbow. Yeah, Rainbow. I'm trying to remember what month this was. I think it was November of 83. And that, uh, yellow paper. That high score was, uh, I think, uh, February or March of uh, 84. Well, if no one posted anything higher, then he has the high score of all time, right? You still there, Ken? Answer at once. It's like that's being contemplated. I just wonder if you lost Ken's audio. Uh, maybe maybe a, did a move step on his internet line? Maybe it blew his mind. Uh, yeah, he lost. We lost video on him too. Yeah, he all looked frozen. I mean, that comes he was Canadian, but still. He was so shocked by that, he just <laughs> dropped off the call. <laughs> yeah, he dropped okay, off the so call. Maybe he'll come back with a different shirt. Okay, so Ron, Ron, Ron talk about WeFacts. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, or, or is this time for another well, commercial break? Well, we'll give, him a, we'll give him a couple seconds here. I mean, maybe we can talk about Eric's too, like uh, for those that played at any strategies, tips, et cetera. 
Um, for those who don't know the game, it's kind of a cross between snake and kicks. I guess it's probably the best way to describe it. We have to fill in a certain amount of the screen. Um, sometimes you have pre-done walls. You have things that are flying around trying to hit you. Uh, there's other things flying around at the beginning of each level that you can actually hit first before they turn into a missile that you can kill first. And uh, I would definitely recommend a centering joystick for this. Um, but I, I was one fun. It had pretty good sound effects. It was based on a Tier City Model 1-3 game that looks pretty well identical, except it was in black and white. Some of the later versions for other 8-bits, like the Atari 8-bit version, actually uh, changed the graphics quite a bit. Ken did a comparison video between the Atari and the Coco version, actually. And I think he's done a, a later video showing the uh, black and white Eric's one. And so, Nick, this is one that you never played on the Model 1 on your Model 1 days, did you? No, nah, no, I didn't. Sorry, who's asking something there? So this is the one where the, the one of the levels on the Atari 800 version was not even able to be completed. Did anyone, I wonder, figure out what was going on with that story? Because it was like it wanted 100% to be filled in and you can't fill in. The you can't get the last square because you're occupying it, yeah. Now, that was on a first level that was kind of a separate thing. Like the, the Coco and the Tier City Model 1 3 versions, you just progress through the levels. You start on an empty screen. That's your first one. Then you get a couple of walls, and it keeps you know progressively getting more difficult with your hooks and crannies that you have to get around. Um, that one was actually basically just like the intro. I think it was probably more meant as a test or a learning the game and how to do it type thing, but it still should have ended. So I don't know if that's a bug on a crack copy or if that was... Uh, a bug that went into the production version of the game, which really surprised me because Event International was pretty decent as a software company. Um, John Schaller, you you were an Atari 8-bit guy growing up. Did you ever play Eric's before? Have you ever played it to that point? No, never. Okay, so I didn't know if maybe you might have had a copy that actually did not have that little bug. Maybe dig around on Atari Age and see if uh, <clears throat> someone has talked about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of weird. Oh, and just uh, said in the chat, my internet completely died trying to get back on. So he's been trying to borrow bandwidth from uh, Mark's other computer, I think. Well, either that or maybe the uh, the internet tube froze up. <laughs> well, see, in Canada, the internet tube sometimes run with maple syrup, so... Yeah, the cold should actually help because then it becomes super conductive and just should motor through things, right? Once we hit absolute zero in the winter. <laughs> I, I do know the the rainbow review he was uh, about to read about. I know it had it was a pretty positive review, and uh, that the Eric's game, along with all the text adventure games and the airline game that was announced in the same full page ad in Rainbow, etc., uh, these reported to the Cocoa by Roger Schrag, who also did the Ed Tasm. Super patch, etc., that Nick and a few others are quite familiar with. I don't know if I can vamp much more on this. <laughs> <laughs> and now a dramatic reading of the source code by L. Curtis Boyle. No, we leave dramatic, uh -huh. dramatic readings from Mark Bosley. Now a dramatic reading of a sector by sector analysis of magnetic flux with the grease weasel by David Ladd. <laughs> No. And we'll start right now in both HFE and HXC format, right? And he will he will attempt to pronounce all the unpronounceable symbols. 
We should mention that there's a second game this week, which actually because of the fest is being extended an extra week. So this will be a three week game is tea time, which is a dragon game originally. And um, I don't know if any of you guys played that one yet on the panel. I didn't get a chance to play on the live show, but yeah, a little bit on the live show. Now, what was your opinion of that one? Because it's it's a bit of a strange premise. It's almost like you know the UK version of Outhouse or something, where it's just such a weird concept. I I switched over to uh, Eric's after I got a score of about twenty. Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> My high score is about twenty, so I think I, will, I decided to go back to uh, Eric's for a while. Yeah, it's actually one they designed to run on P mode three, like because you know PAL didn't have artifact colors. But when people started running it in North America, they just converted it over to uh, artifacts. P mode three basically gives you artifact colors if on NTSC. Actually, looks I think better on the you know unofficial North American version NTSC version than it does on the original PAL. Unless your T so, is blue. So, so I was having some control issues. So I'm starting to figure out that the. Uh, uh, controller I've got here uh, on VCC is not as smooth as a Black Beauty is going to be. I mean, this one's analog, but uh, it's uh, jumps too quickly, so you don't have the control over it. Um, on Discord, uh, and I forget who uh, posted a, a joystick test routine. Mm-hmm. So I tried that out, and it's like you got to have. The, the fine motor skills of a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I may need to do something different for a joystick to get better at some of these games. Okay. Now, Mark, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. And I know Jim Rye's kind of busy with personal stuff these days. And Sleepy's not here either. And now Ken's not here. Were we planning on doing some sort of a live gameplay at the show where people can kind of t- try the games out that are the current two? And... uh you know, submit scores at the show. Uh, there was some talk about it, but I don't know what the results were. Because Tim, Tim and AJ might have some games too lined up for their stuff because they're they're definitely gaming oriented. And of course, if people want to, you know, get in some Whirlybird run scores before uh, John and Aaron do their live show, your live show is at what about eleven eleven thirty in the morning? I think on the schedule for Saturday. John? Is that what it is? I haven't looked at the schedule yet. Um. Theoretically, anybody can play those games on any Coco that's available at the Fest and then just take a picture of it and upload it to Discord and submit it if they wanted to. Right. I mean, I'll have a couple of Cocos set up. Maybe Maybe I'll do that on mine. Then there's more trash talking opportunity at Coco Fest. (laughs) Yeah. I, I want to see uh, Aaron and Boat really get into it at at the show. That's what I want to see. <laughs> well, that's why I want to know who's going to throw the stick first in Whirlybird. <laughs> okay, so Amigos Retro Gaming, you guys are scheduled for twelve thirty till one thirty in the afternoon on oh, that's Saturday. Perfect. That's perfect. Right after Frank does the keynote. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, actually, there's lunch in between too. But ooh, lunch. Oh, if Tim and AJ get into it during lunch, we could have a food fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any plans to do any unofficial crossing of the streams where some of the other podcasts can all just kind of hop onto each other's shows. Wait, you know, do you photobomb them at least.
Wow, uh, that squirrel must have really chewed through that cable. <laughs> I believe it was a moose. The moose is still standing on the cable, I think. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to move a moose once it decides it's going to park. It's, this particular moose has been seen hanging out with a flying squirrel. <laughs> uh. Hey, rookie, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. <clears throat> I can. <laughs> that trick never works. We got a comment from Facebook users, so it looks like we lost the uh, the names of, of people on, I'm guessing, Facebook. Uh, they may need to hit that Restream link to authorize their account to show up on Restream. Yeah, because the comment is basically, most modern thumbsticks have a crappy, nonlinear central dead spot makes some games really horrible to play. So I don't know if that's something you guys have experienced as well. Yes, they do. I use Paul Fiscarelli's uh, USB adapter for the actual Cocoa joystick, so that actually works out well for me. It doesn't look like our YouTube chat is showing up for some reason. But do you? But it, does each one of us uh, have have our name in the in their assorted respective box? So yeah, YouTube for some reason says there's an error. YouTube live chat not found. That's why we're not getting anything from YouTube. Oh, <laughs> I found it. This well, is like prepping for bandwidth issues at the fest. I can just tell. This is this <laughs> yeah. is just living up to our normal production values. Uh, hey, hey, Mark. When did we get there? We go. Am I here now? Yeah. Okay. There, there are network errors all over town. Um, Ken's gone. I'm barely here. Um, Twitch is gone. Restream can't even keep a connection open securely. So there's just something happening above any one single person today. Some general internet chaos. Must be Russian hackers. I I, I really I suspect Amish. Turn the video off just to get audio going. All right. So so I just got my uh, I just pulled up the dashboard for Restream and it says. uh, that our bit, bit rate is out of recommended range, that we should be less than 1K. 1K? What, what should be less than 1 megabit. Right. One okay. megabit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, because, uh, no, I was going to say, I didn't know Restream had an option for teletype. One kilobyte? We've broken the internet because David Ladd has his camera on. That, that's what happened. So... Um, James Joe said the YouTube stream is still going, so. Yeah. Yep. It's just uh, we the don't chat. have chat from uh, YouTube for some reason. Because Restream can't find it. Yeah, so there must be some general internet issues. Well, I, unfortunately, I don't know what game the game had Ken had picked uh, to replace Eric's for the next couple weeks is. So I can't announce that on his behalf. And we've kind of gone oh. over the two games already. Mm. So, so it's, it's Predator, uh, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So we can move on, and then hopefully by the end of the show, he'll be back. That's what you call a tease. And, and Ken, even if you can't get on, if you can just send me a private message or something saying what the game is, I can probably bring up a screenshot if it's one on my site or at least talk about it. Yeah, send Curtis a message in Discord or something. Yeah, because I'm assuming his phone's still working because he did manage to text us a little bit earlier there. So uh, During the live gameplay... Um, yeah, send Curtis speaking. a message in Discord or something. Yeah, because I'm assuming his phone's still working because he did manage to text us a little bit earlier there. So, 
uh, during the live gameplay. Um, yeah, Sam Curtis. Is there a loop back? Or is that just me? Oh, Brian keeps getting cut off. Brian, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, during the live gameplay, um, Ken and Sloopy were talking that they're both going to be traveling next week. So there would not be a live game play next uh, Thursday. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Probably yeah, VCF about, or something. Yeah, no, talk about commitment. I mean, it's like, oh, okay. 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 I'm going to stop I, playing here. Okay. So, well, well, hopefully Ken can get a hold of me here uh, via text or something so we can actually tell people what the other game the next few weeks will be. Uh, Tea Time will obviously be continuing, so that's the first one to do. And if you have the Dragon version of it, feel free to play that one because as far as I understand, it plays the same. The visual colors is a little bit different, but other than that, it should be the same game. So it's kind of a tip to the dragon because that's originally a dragon game. So feel free if you have a dragon 32, dragon 64, join in, whether it's PAL or NTSC, doesn't matter. Or even what does the French one use? Uh, CCAM. And uh, you got a couple of weeks to submit scores for that still. So, and hopefully we'll have some live game playing of both that and whatever the surprise mystery game is uh, at the show itself. Okay. You ready for the news? Yep. Yeah. Did you want to do the intro and I'll just go on to the game on news first? Ah, uh, sure. Let's do that. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks, from around the world, to your nation, Nation News with L. Curtis Boyle. <laughs> That's definitely better than Neutroid. Um, <laughs> I-oh. That's not my tradition. The MC-10 is what we used to slam. Now I'm going to slam Neutroid. Maybe until Nick's new version's out. <laughs> Okay, so you guys are seeing this screen. I'm hopefully at least my internet sharing is working. <laughs> yeah, Can you? Yep, you're there. Yep, yep. That's good. Oh, that's silence. I thought maybe I dropped off too. <laughs> and I was hoping he'd fall for it. Because <laughs> I think it happened to me last <laughs> week, didn't it? Okay, so first up on the Game On News, um, Tier City Retro Programming, who's actually going to be a guest on the show sometime probably in May, possibly early June. We're going to be setting up after the fest. Um, has been working on, he's working on, I think, three games at a time right now. Uh, these are all basic games. He's going to be kind of learning, it, you know, how to do the graphics stuff as he goes, which is actually one of the fascinating parts I find about his channel because he, you know, does mistakes and figures out that wasn't the best way to do it, that kind of thing. So this one has no commentary from him, and it's a six-minute kind of going through the uh, Ghost Saga. I'll just play a little clip so you guys can remember what game it is, but if you want to check it out, go check out the actual video. And the amount of time he spent drawing cursive handwriting on here, I would not take the time. I mean, I'll probably refresh your memories if you haven't seen it before, so... Uh, but he's playing and having it segmented in different programs with like multiple sets of screens on each one. And then you kind of have to figure out sort of a little bit adventure like 
what to do to get through that set. And then it'll run a second program, which a lot of his games are doing. And he's actually making them so that actually we will be able to run from cassette. So you can actually load in the next program, even from cassette, if you don't have a disk drive. Anyway, well, now it's when he's going to be on and he can talk about it in, in, in more detail then. Uh, next up, uh, if you guys remember last week, I mentioned that Jim Gary up until Friday had not had a single thing up. And I thought, well, that's unusual. And then by Saturday morning, he had four games up. Well, he's added a whole bunch this week, so I didn't have to worry about it at all. So the first one he did here is actually called Citadel, the Shield of Oran, originally written by Pierre Far, Four. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, as you can probably tell by the spelling on the bottom of the screen there, it's uh, French. And uh, this game is from 1984 originally, and it was originally written for the Sanyo PHC-25, which is not a computer I'm familiar with. Is anybody else on the panel? I don't know nothing about what its capabilities are, what its graphics were. Anybody? No. I don't know. I thought Sanyo did uh, PCM or uh, CPM machines. Well, they had the Sanyo or PC. MSX. Yeah, because I do remember Time Bandit was ported to one Sanyo machine early on before the Amiga and the ST and, and DOS versions came out, but after the Coco one, but I, I, that's the only thing I know about any Sanyo mm. machine really besides clones. Um, anyway, this was uh, part of a, a series of text adventure games uh, called Lurie Seals Citadel text adventure series. So Jim not only converted it to run the MC10, he also translated it to English, added some color set changes and some sound as well. So I'll play just a little bit of it here. It's a, it's a very long 60-minute walkthrough. I do like his little intro here that actually had a little bit of graphics with a kind of a 3D effect. And he's kind of following some of the later text adventure games here where they actually have like your current location and, and objects highlighted by inverse video uh, versus, uh, you know, different parts of the screen. So you kind of see the organization at a glance instead of having to read through the whole thing to figure out, you know, what, what changed, what happened. Anyway, it's a text adventure game. Uh, next up... He's got Duke of Dragonfear by Tim Hartnell. This was originally released in 1983 on a machine that I think uh, Nick Randy's is at least somewhat familiar with, the uh, Dick Smith uh, VZ-200. VZ, uh, now, yeah. if I remember correctly, that was a Z80-based but yeah. VDG chip, wasn't it? It had the yeah. Coco's video yep. chip with a Z80 or Z80. That's right, yeah. What country so this is an adventure game with single key responses rather based on menus rather than having to type in verb noun phrases, which is I, I would call this kind of a beginner adventure. Because I mean, part of the whole thing with a text adventure game is you have to try to figure out what verbs work and um, you know what kind of weird command you might have to figure to manipulate an object or whatever. And this actually kind of spells it out for you. Um, let's see if we fast forward to one where my tab here. Okay, that that's dying. We can skip that. Uh, yeah, so like here, I'll just pause it there. So on the screen for the uh, audio listeners, it says, Jim, you are at 34. Your amulet signals that there is a solid wall nearby. You have 24 moves left. You basically have to solve this within 25. It says, what do you want to do? And your options are N to move north, S to move south, E to move east, W to move west, F to fire an arrow, and Q to quit. So single character, like much quicker response than having to type everything in, which I do remember there was a few other games that kind of did that, but I don't think it really caught on because I think part of the whole thing with the uh, text adventure games is that it was interactive fiction and just you know tapping a key isn't really interactive fiction you didn't feel like you were part of a book or anything and the really good ones like some of the infocoms etc really did get you kind of involved and i think that's uh, probably why that particular format didn't you know stick out as long as as the other ones did but it definitely would be good for a beginner is just kind of figuring out what a text adventure game is and next after that he's got abm by ae van 
Berberhout from 1981. I'll mute the sound here and just start playing it. Um, so this is kind of um, a Missile Command type game, not exactly the same, but pretty close. And this was originally in uh, 1981 for the Tier City Model 1 and 3. Now, I don't know, Nick, if you were familiar with this one, because I don't know if it was a type in from 80 Micro or where it came from. So he's added some optimizations. He added some colors. Uh, he made it all Canadian cities, as you can see in the bottom here. So uh, if Ken doesn't rejoin us, maybe that's because he got bombed by the ABM in near Vancouver. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Saskatoon's not in there, so I'll survive. Um, one odd thing is you'll see some of these things just go flying across. Um, as opposed to bombing down, which is a little bit strange. So it's a little, a little bit different, though it's pretty close to Missile Command. That might be like the bomber from Missile Command that just goes across. Yeah, the plane that just flies across. Well, those are the ones heading for my house. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be like limited to one missile or coming down at you at a time. Um, only four cities instead, I think. What does the arcade have? Six? I believe. But still, for a basic game, it's, it's not that bad. And then the final one from Jim is called Manticore. Uh, this is a texture adventure game as well, uh, with a little bit of RPG elements, originally by John Bradbury in 1980. And this was originally on the Commodore Pet. And this one, you can see, is a little bit wordy. Instead of just saying your exits from this room are north, south, and east, it actually says you may go down, you may go south, you may go north on separate lines. So it fills up the screen pretty quick with just telling you what directions you can go. So I'm, I'm guessing this is because it's kind of early in the uh, text adventure genre's history. Um, but, you know, standard text adventure game type thing. So thanks, Jim, for your four ports this week. I think that's when you ended up with last week, too. So I will never doubt that you'll have stuff ready again. Next up, uh, Chronologically Gaming finally finished 1981 uh, as of Thursday, and he started 1982 on Friday. So uh, he would have been on to 1982 a bit faster if I hadn't kept finding Koku games that uh, aren't on the archive, that I don't have my site, and I just happened to find them. A few I had to patch to make them run on disk systems, etc. But I kind of flooded him with a bunch of late entries, so I delayed him a bit. Sorry about that. Um, so we had two episodes that had Koku games in it. Um, the first one here has Vampire Castle from Aardvark, which is a text adventure game. I probably won't bother playing it because it's text adventure game. We just saw a whole bunch from Jim. The other one is the game, uh, Vegas Game Pack. So that one I will play a little bit of it. We're going back to the TRS-80 Coco, and this is Vegas Game Pack. So Vegas Game Pack came out in 81 from Nelson uh, Computer Systems, the um, which is Dan Nelson and I think his brother. Dan Nelson. Released, but um, um was this they became famous later. Like they they started started with stuff like Super so Color Writer and Super Color Terminal. All that stuff got renamed to VIP. So you guys probably would recognize it more as VIP Terminal or VIP Library for that matter. All done by the same company. And when they started expanding and, and getting bigger, they ended up creating a subdivision called Color Quest, and all their games started going through Color Quest. But this is early enough. This is back when it was all Nelson uh, Systems. And basically, this is just a little uh, pack of, of of low res. I think the slot machine actually used higher res graphics than this, but uh, he just demonstrates one particular game. I think it's Blackjack, mainly because I mean, his he doesn't try to cover the gambling games too closely because they're gambling, and you know, want to get into actual proper gameplay where you have control over something. And this is just usually games of chance. So 
It is up and down. Anyway, if you guys haven't seen it, that's that's uh, one of the earlier 1981 games from the Coco. And then on the Thursday episode, which is the last cleanup of 1981, uh, he covered four in a row that I had submitted to him. Now, a few of these we've talked about. Um, basically, I sent him Death Ship, which is another Aardvark text adventure game. We'll skip that one. Um, Cosmic Kamikaze, which is a Fred Skirbo illustrated memory banks game. You may remember Fred, if you collected Rainbow in the 80s, he uh, had columns on there. He did a lot of educational stuff, but he was always doing stuff with basic. He never really touched ML. And he usually had really good artifact colors. He was one of the earliest basic programmers that figured out how to control them within basic itself. <laughs> Unfortunately, in this case, the game looks visually good in screenshots. Um, but the gameplay, it leaves something to be desired, let's, let's be honest. So I probably won't play that one either. Um, you can check it out. It's on my site now and it's on the archive. The two I did want to actually play a little bit. We talked about this last week. I'd been digging around trying to find a bunch of missing Coca games that uh, I've seen advertisements for, but never saw. And the two I'd found were both 4K cassette-based games. So these are some of the very few third-party games that only needed a 4K Coca to run the bare minimum and uh, a cassette player because any other 4K games from Tandy usually were cartridges, which were like 40 bucks a crack. And these you know games are like 10 so the two that uh, we talked about, and I showed you some screenshots last week, was Gauntlet by Brit Monk, which came out in August of 1981. And then Space Intruders by Charles Forsyth that was sold by Venture International and was based on an earlier Tier City Model 1.3, which is kind of a cross of Space Invaders and Klaxon. Um, I only showed screenshots, if I remember correctly. This time, we've actually got some video. Unfortunately, the sound's turned way down on some of this. You probably won't be able to hear the sound effects, but at least you can see the gameplay. I thought that would be kind of interesting for people who have not seen it. So let's show Gauntlet first. And uh, I'll briefly stop here because this is a review from Color Computer Magazine. And if I remember, it was actually their first issue or the third issue. So it's fairly early on in the run uh, of a review of Brit uh, Monk's Gauntlet, uh, which he had sold on his own for a few months in Color Computer News. And then Avalon Hill contacted him. And so that game looks pretty good. We'll sell it on your behalf. And he later did 3D Breakthrough and he ported Viet Cong and some other games, VC, um, to the Coco for Avalon Hill. So we actually ended up doing a fair bit for them. I'll just fast forward here in the gameplay. We're in. There it is. <laughs> Graphics aren't great, but I am moving the blue ship at the bottom of the screen, left and right. Uh, if I go up, oh, yeah, speed this sucker up. And then go down, oh, slow it down. Oh, but <laughs> pilot evaluation is dead. Hit the joystick again. Let's go in again. These graphics remind me if the TRS-80, like Model 3, had color. This is what it looks like, the, the lower resolution. I love it. Very, very charming. But here's what's cool about Gauntlet. I do a shot, and it blows chunks away of the asteroids. Yeah, and if you go sideways a little bit, you can actually completely destroy stuff. And you get points, not for shooting asteroids. They're just going to get them out of your way so you don't die. But the, uh, the aliens, actually, every time you hit them... Even if there's debris, you get you know extra points for hitting an alien. So you can hit the same alien multiple times and get points multiple times, which is kind of cool. So anyway, that's uh, Gauntlet kind of in action a little bit. And I'll fast forward to Space Intruders. Oh, wait a second. Adventure International. Now I'm wondering why we didn't get a box for this. Adventure International usually has... Uh, usually keeps up on all, all their stuff. I tried so looking for that box and I could not find it anywhere. So whatever that is for one point, or they might have shared the model one three one. I'm not right, sure. We're hitting any key. 
Do we have no joystick control? Okay, so this is keyboard only. We're in. And it is. It is. It's not Space Invaders. This is... <laughs> this is really close to Space Invaders. It's it's like the dumbest down version of Galaxian? Or maybe a hybrid of the two? Because it's supposed to be showing off the enemy ship maneuvers, but... Anyway, it's, it's a fun little game. This is the absolute bare minimum. 4K cassette and keyboard. You didn't even need joysticks for this one. Uh... My personal opinion is the game's like for 4K is pretty decent. It's got actually really good sound effects. Um, the ramping of the difficulty, unfortunately, is a little bit slow. Like you have to play through, I think it's five or six waves before you start getting two aliens flying down to attack you. And I didn't play it long enough to see if it gets past two. Um, a CP time obviously would be fine. You could probably get it up to the entire fleet comes after you or something. But uh, this is one I had been trying to find for quite a while because this came out in 81. Uh, and it actually had a little ad in the Adventure International catalog because it said Space Intruders from Model 1 and 3, which I think required 16K. And then it mentioned a Cocoa version with reduced features. So I'm going to have to check out the Model 1 to see exactly what, what that version was like to see what it was all reduced. They just said added color and reduced features type thing to Cranton 4K. So I, I like I the, said last uh, week, I was really happy to find these because I thought these were lost forever. Go ahead, Nick. The Model 1 version is based on Space Invaders Part 2 in the arcades. It was a Space Invaders. Okay, so the, the whole dive-bombing alien was added to this version then? Yeah, this is uh, all different, yeah. Huh. Weird they would have marketed it under the same name. Mind you, I guess Adventure National yeah. did that before, though, because Eliminator, which actually got licensed to be Defender on one platform, basically played like Defender on most. Ours played more like a scramble thing where you're dipping yeah. in behind mountains and stuff like there's no humans to rescue nothing like that so occasionally right. when they did a platform change they changed the game up pretty drastically this must have been one of them and finally in the game on news we've got uh the only way is oled display who's contributed another bunch of videos including some just this morning <coughs> of dragon games and these are where he's kind of going to the long play series so as I mentioned last time, basically all the stuff he normally has done has been stuff where he plays it for like one minute and that's it. So this you actually get to see him play through multiple levels, uh, maybe multiple maps, depending on the game. Now, most of these we've seen before. Um, Backtrack's a really cool one. If you've never played that one, you should definitely should. The 3D uh, graphics really, really look good. And it's only P mode one, but perspective changes, not just, you know, doing isometric or something. It's actually... Uh, you can see in the little tiny picture window there, if you're watching the video version of the show, that you can see that the walls actually prospectively go past you as you're walking through doorways, et cetera, because you're doing the top view. Um, other games here he did was like a Fury, which is a time pilot clone uh, originally by Computer Shack. I did notice that the Dragon version probably, well, I'm not sure why they did that, but the voices, like there's some voice digitization in the Coco version. They'll go like, player one, your shot. None of that's in the Dragon version. I don't know why. It perfectly was capable of doing it. Um, Monster's kind of boring. Size. What's that? Maybe RAM size. Maybe yeah, but the Dragon came with 32K, and that's what Fury required in the Coco. Oh, so. Okay, yep. Um, Monsters is just kind of a, a boring one. Buzzard Bait, if you want to see Buzzard Bait in green. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, what does it look like? <laughs> it looks like hell. <laughs> Plays right. well. It looks like hell. <laughs> Too much um, green. Yeah, and Jetboot calling to be calming. It should be a calming game. Also, it should backtrack then because it's got green. 
<laughs> and that's one of the most frustrating games known to man, though it's fun. The one I was going to highlight a little bit here is called uh, the Sword and the Sorcerer. This is not one I remember seeing. And if I'm trying to remember, Jarb Software in the States had a game called the Sword and the Sorcerer. They had a full-page ad for it at one point. Now, unfortunately, he does not play the very beginning, like any splash screens or credits. So I'm not sure if there's the same game because I haven't seen it. Um, but I'm going to have to kind of track that down. It might be a completely different thing, which just happened to have the same name that was produced in the UK. It's it's written in basic with some like really nicely drawn graphics. I'll mute because he's got his TV on. Um, I don't want to get a ding. But basically, it's it's like a presentation like we've seen in a lot of adventure games. you got attack and defense, and you've got certain keys that do certain features. But he's got these really well-drawn graphics. kind of reminds me of uh, Paul Shoemaker when he did that one D&D game that he yeah, later got yeah. into a little bit of legal trouble for stealing some graphics. He could have stolen it from this one because this would have been perfect. Their second, their second release to that game, by the way, you can get it on his uh, itch.io site. Yeah, did he replace the graphics or take them out? Or what yeah, did he, do? he replaced the graphics. Okay. But you can see here, like we're looking at a screenshot here with uh, the unicorn that you're you're battling at this point, and it's well drawn. Now, the game itself just basically has a little 3D, you know, wireframe perspective of dungeon with doorways and hallways. So you wander through. I, I don't even know what the purpose of the game is, what the ultimate goal is. Uh, here it's asking, do you wish to eat food, drink a potion, or, or neither? Don't uh, here we found a battle axe on the ground. Like, the graphics are well done, and they're definitely designed for two-color, because, of course, with PAL, you weren't supposed to be getting artifacting, so you don't want a bunch mm. of red and blue fraying around the edges here. But the graphics are quite well done. Here you can see some food in the lower right, and you've got the monster, the genie, up in the lower left, or upper left. I mean, the the, the drawing of the fonts is quite slow, so I'm assuming that's all in basic. Um, probably just get put buffers through doing the drawing itself, too of the monsters and the objects that you find. But, uh, you know, the game itself looks like it could be a little bit slower dull, but the graphics I'm impressed with for a two-color restricted resolution of the dragon and the cocoa, that, those look pretty good. He did a really good job on those. I can recognize what the things are without having to read the description, which is a yeah, sometimes not very, always very what nice. happens. <laughs> what was that, Nick? It was that wasn't uh, me. It looks very, very nice. looks very nice. It's uh, impressive looking. Yeah, so I'm really interested. Is this a game that was on the Coco originally, or if this was a uniquely uh, Dragon game? So I'm going to have to do some research in that. And I don't remember seeing this one before, so it's a new one. Another one I have to add to my site, darn it. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the Game On news. So let me switch to the regular news. Okay, did that come through? You should be seeing, introducing now. six dev09. Yep. Okay, so um, a couple of announcements uh, for stuff that is going to be demoed at the fest. Um, this is one of them. Now, Eric unfortunately is uh, traveling. Actually, he's uh, going through some stuff at uh, uh, Bob Swogert's um, place because, of course, he passed away recently. Uh, a bunch of coke stuff so he's actually kind of busy with that at the moment so as i invited him to come on the show because <coughs> this is a project he's shown on our show back what a year or two ago maybe longer it's basically a cross development system on modern a while yeah it's been quite a while and he's actually getting it for uh actual uh, getting it ready for a public release there's a patreon and stuff set up for it uh as you can see here he's actually got a screenshot of it editing some basic uh code that actually 
is using more modern techniques of, of, of actually writing the code instead of to put 10, you know, poke, blah, 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 like he's showing on here. It's just, you know, straight commands and et cetera. And he's actually got it in a Cocosoft font, which is one of the options in it. Um, but he'll be demoing this at the fest and he's got some stuff here. He's got custom fonts. He's got the Cocoa fonts and some other stuff too. You can see some here like themes. He's got a modern dark theme, a retro classic Cocoa theme, modern light theme, full support for LWASM, including every single flag. Uh, creation of a disk images is automatic and within the program itself. And um, so he's playing on this will be the first public alpha release, I guess, or beta release at the show. And he's actually said he's going to try to cram a few more little bits to it before the show actually starts. So uh, he will be uh, talking about this at the show at his booth. So if you have any questions about it or want to see a demonstration of it, drop by Eric and Alice's uh, booth at the fest. And next up, this is another announcement. Um, I don't know when this is getting publicly released. There's a new version of MAME coming, which has some pretty major changes to the Coco, how it is handling uh, both disk controllers, virtual disk controllers, and how it's using the disk ROMs, because there's a whack load of them nowadays. There's HDB DOS and RGB DOS and ADOS, ADOS 3, ADOS 3 Extended, CDOS from Disto, um, the Radio Shack ones themselves. And one problem with MAME is it always wants to do this stupid CRC check to make sure that the ROMs change. So if you change one byte in the ROM, it refuses to let you load it. And that whole structure is being changed in the upcoming version of MAME. So I will just kind of read a part of this verbatim for the audio listeners, because I literally just cut and pasted this from his post in Discord, because he's also on the road right now, so he can't come on to talk about it. He'll be at the show, of course, too, with his sister. Uh, AJ will be there for the sibling rivalry part, but he'll be talking about some of this stuff if you want to ask him any questions about MAME development stuff. So detailed changes in the upcoming Cocoa MAME drivers. One driver is being removed, Cocoa 3 DW1. This was a stock Cocoa 3 with a DOS ROM replaced with a Becker port capable version of HDB DOS. Several slot devices are being removed, FTC V11, Cocoa 3 HDB1, and Cocoa 2 HDB1. These are all floppy disk controllers that use different ROMs, so Cocoa SC2 CC1 and Cocoa SC2 CC3. These are the SuperController 2 devices that use different ROMs, and that's uh, Disto's no-halt floppy controller. So in their place, FTC and SC2 slot devices have been expanded to support multiple ROMs. You can use the list BIOS command line switch to discover the ROMs that are available. Currently, they are uh, V1O, which is RSDOS 1.0, V11, which is RSDOS V.11, and that is the default if you don't specify one. ADOS, which is ADOS 1.02 for the Cocoa 1 and 2. ADOS 2B, which is ADOS 1.02 for the Cocoa 2B and supports true lowercase, if you have the uh, T1 VDG chip, <clears throat> or if you enable that in the emulator. Uh, ADOS 3, which is ADOS 3 version 1.1.1, uh, that's Cocoa 3 version. ADOS 340, uh, which is the same version of ADOS 3, but with 40 track drives enabled instead of just 35. And there's also ADOS 380, so it supports 80 track drives. So if you want to get 720K in a disk, go for it. RGB DOS, which is hard disk basic for MU disk, HDB K12 or K12, hard disk basic for the Becker port and drive wire three for the Cocoa one and two, HDB K3, which is hard disk basic for the Becker port and drive wire three for your Cocoa three. Um, and then some bias options for the Disto Supercontroller two. You can actually run it with CDOS version four for the Cocoa one and two or CDOS three version 1.2 for the Cocoa three, which is the default. Um, so that's the special version of DOS that the uh, Disto Supercontrol 2 came with. I don't know if he's planning on supporting some of the other stuff later on, like the performance peripherals, Sardis uh, controllers, and some of their uh, extended DOS stuff. 
uh, the Eliminator or some of these other ones, but they basically set up the structure that you're not tied into having to have a pre-approved real ROM to be able to run any of this stuff. You can actually just swap it. If I'm understanding correctly, I was hoping Tim was going to be here to clarify this. But my understanding is that you will be able to just swap ROMs in by command line and not have to worry about you know, like downloading a new version of MAME or recompiling it to get it to actually let you do that. So that that's cool. That actually will help quite a bit with people who are doing development and want to check it against multiple different disk controllers and disk ROMs. Next up, Richard Kelly. Um, he had that little demo that actually he had some ants wandering around on these different bridges, I guess you'd call them. And they would actually wander underneath a bridge and over top a bridge type thing to actually get a little bit of perspective. And it was all done in basic in a very small demo that was only seven lines of code. So he's actually done a PDF here, which goes into great detail of of how this works and i mean it's and he's using a lot of other tricks and stuff here he's using some tricks in basic i've never seen before um he even mentions one that he, he thought of later that he, he wish he could have done earlier um but there's this is kind of reminds me of the alan huffman blog post on basic except this is a whole bunch of subjects combined into one document but it's pages pages of this stuff here and he goes line by line explaining exactly what everything does and some of the little tricks he uses like doing comparisons uh as part of a function as opposed to an if because it will result in a negative one or a one depending on what the result of the comparison is and he uses that to say populate an array offset or something like that so he's doing some pretty cool stuff in there which uh, helped keep the code really small for doing a fairly decent animation in basic anyway there's a lot of technical detail in here if you want to learn some really cool stuff you can do with you know extended basic or even just color basic for that matter definitely go check that out And that's on Facebook in the Cocoa Group, which you mentioned. Next up, the Glenside uh, Color Computer Club, the hosts of Cocoa Fest, have now added the chat function, general chat, in Facebook on their Facebook page. Now, I've not done anything in general chat, so hopefully some of you guys have, because I'm not even sure what exactly it is. I think that's basically a public chat that everybody in the group can see. Is that accurate? Uh, Has I anybody else tried so. this? I think so. That just in a general way across Facebook, you know, but in that group, yeah, I, I do believe so. Okay, which would be useful because one problem with Facebook is if you do posts, they because Facebook's stupid algorithm as what's going to display to every individual user is just retarded. You can completely miss posts, and if this stays strictly within a chat where you can actually scroll back and take a look at everything, that would make better sense. We can actually follow a conversation and not miss things. You just have to scroll back and look. Whereas with Facebook, you know, you have to try to figure out where the hell it hid something or maybe look by the username or something stupid. Like it's just dumb. They just feed you what they want to feed you because they wanted you to see ads as far as I can tell. Next up, and this is kind of a follow-up uh, we covered last week or maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, Robson Frank had been doing some oscilloscope readings of Four Boys Harmony songs from the Coco. And we went through the William Tell Overture last time and that one for some reason, got pitch shifted and warbly and, and had some problems. This one does not exhibit that. And this holds a bit of a dear to my heart because this is the first four-voice song I ever heard. I had no idea, you know, at the time where it came from. It just came, quote, unquote, you know, backed up, pirated. Um, the William Tell they did last week was the first time I ever saw the listing and actually knew where it came from. That was from a color computer news. It was a contest winner in a programming contest they had back in 82. So this one actually, I think, was originally done with yeah. the composer by Speech Systems. Yes. Oh, Ella's going to turn in her camera. All right. Uh, Bob, you're live on mic, just so you know. 
Sorry. <laughs> hey, Curtis, this is, this is the Country Roads one. This was published a few months before the William Tell. This is the Quell yes. LD code that all that other stuff was based yeah, on. Thank you. Okay. So was this published in a, in a Cocoa magazine, you said, or? or... Yes, I'm going to, I'm looking up where it was and I'll put it in the chat. Okay. Because it sounds like the composer, like the original composer by Speech Systems had a bit more of a crackly. They couldn't hit the high notes as well as the later engines like the Wim well, Richard is. Systems code was based on Clell Dildies. You, they, it even used the same variable names and everything. They they released it as public domain in one of their manuals because they didn't they didn't write it. Okay, well they must have tweaked it somewhat because the the sound quality definitely went up. Yeah, it's you know, but it is the same code. Okay. Anyway, for those who not heard it, and um, because it mentions West Virginia, I don't know if Bolt's still on here, but this would be kind of like a a theme song, I guess, for him and Aaron. Anyway, I don't know if it's close enough to get us a ding, so I don't play too long. <laughs> but uh, it, it was really well done. I remember I had a 4K machine, so this would have been early to mid-81. No, wait, sorry, late 81, early to mid-82, somewhere in that time frame before I got my upgrade. Because in the summer of 82, I got an upgrade to 16K. And this is one I wanted to play for my parents because they didn't think a computer was useful for anything. But they really like music, so I figured oh, if I get them a you know, some decent sounding music set of the sound command, maybe I convince them to help pay for an upgrade for my birthday or Christmas or something like that. What a con man. Yeah, I was. And at any rate, <laughs> uh, this thing was too big to fit in 4K. But I found out that the, uh, I didn't know the details at the time, but I found out that if you started clodeming it, the engine to drive the sound was at the beginning of the file and the notes came after in order. So if I played, and I still remember this day, I had a C- C- CCR80 cassette recorder if i reset the counter to zero did a clodam played and i stopped it at 7.5 and purposely stopped the tape and then played it again so got an eyewear it would load in enough to play about 45 seconds of the song in 4k so i actually did use that and it did convince my mom and dad that there maybe there's some of this computer thing and then they did actually help i paid for half and they paid for that but i did finally get my 16k upgrade because they wanted to hear the rest of the song so anyway. he's gullible <laughs> yeah, it's almost as good to get people to play Neutroid and thinks it's good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this this like I said, this one is nostalgic for me because it's the first multi-voice song on the Coke I ever heard, besides I think a two-voice one somebody did under the music cartridge. But this sounded a heck of a lot better. Yeah, that was Kilgus. Yeah. And I think was it Rich Perry that did this port to the Coke, or did somebody else do this one? Or do you know Alan? The Country Roads code was actually originally from Clell Dildy. On the Coco, or is that from somebody else? Yeah, on the Coco. It was in 68 Micro Magazine. I put it in the chat. Okay, March of 82. Um, somehow I missed that because I've actually gone through those 68 Micros. I don't remember seeing that. It was just published in the letters section. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was just sent in as a letter. Hey, this is based on Hal Chamberlain's code from 77 in Byte and you know, here's some some music data. Have fun, and that was it. But it was just sent in as a letter. Cool. I'm, I actually, I think I still have the download of that particular. I'll have to check that out. 
any of those of you are interested in the, in the 68 Micro uh, magazine, which actually started as a 6800 based, and then they added 6809 later. Um, it was the first magazine that covered the color computer in a technical aspect. And in fact, they were the first one to tell people how to copy cartridge ROMs onto cassette. Uh, I think of the November 1980 issue, if I remember correctly, because it was a meeting with Tandy people. And I still remember they used this in their ads where, you know, they'd met with Tandy executives and said, it's impossible to copy stuff off of a cartridge to tape. And they said, yeah, we just put a piece of tape over one of the pins and it was easy. And I did use that exact same technique myself. So I was quite familiar with it. Anyway, really cool. And it's really fun seeing the voices themselves. You can see the waveforms. You can see the high pitch notes are all compressed together horizontally and the lower notes are wider spread apart. You can actually see the note changes. If uh, if you want to see that on the Coco itself um, with code, Jeremy Spiller, the guy who did like Xenix. Xenix and Crystal City. City. Yep. Um, in one of the Rainbow magazines, he did a chunk of code called Superplay yep. that, yep. that expands the play command to support waveform playback like that. And it comes with an editor where you can put in your own math functions and create the sound forms and store them up in high memory. So, uh, yeah, it's a really cool little piece of code. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. That was probably about the mid to late 80s he published that, right? Not yeah, that. I think it was like 88 or 89. Yeah. Cool. I'm definitely going to check out 68 Micro because I, I don't remember seeing that. I do remember the William Tell because <laughs> I have to type that in with our club. I, I paid, I don't know, this ninth page of data statements or something. Anyway, up next, we have uh, Tim Leonard did this video here. Dungeons of Dagoth, Coco 2, and Coco 3 timing test. Now, this, I didn't realize that the speed between the machines would be this different. And I'm wondering if there's an issue or a difference between the machines themselves. Because I don't remember when I switched from the Coco 2 to the Coco 3, I don't remember Dagoth changing in speed that much. So he does side-by-side -side comparison synced at the start. So it's starting the exact and running through the demo. Um now, he did mention in the comments here, because somebody asked about it, is that the Coco 3, in this case, does have a 6309. And it's supposed to be cycle-to-cycle -cycle accurate unless you kick in native mode, but maybe that's not entirely true, or maybe it's something about the way the Coco 3 accesses RAM or whatever. Not sure. Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen this particular video here, but you'll see the Coco 2 on the left and the Coco 3 on the right. And these should be running the exact same. They're running at 0.895 megahertz. There's no double speed, folks. But you can already see the Coco 3 has gotten a little bit ahead. And you'll notice when it was drawing the dots, the pixelated dots to simulate darkness, it uh, that's running faster too. And so far, they're pretty close. I mean, they're off by, what, a tenth of a second or something, but it gets further and further apart. And I did not know the difference between the Coco 1, 2 and the Coco 3 was that much. I know this is just riveting for the audio viewers because there's no sound and there's you can't see it, so... If you want to see this, just hit YouTube and hit Tim Linder's uh, page on YouTube and you can watch the video yourself. How dare you interrupt nap time? <laughs> <laughs> like here, they're still pretty well in sync. Pretty close. Bad guy. But now it's starting to get out of sync. Pretty drastically out of sync. Like it's several sets of frames ahead now. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to put my Coco 1 and my Coco 3 next to each other and see if I get the same thing. Because I, honestly, I don't remember this being that different. Like this is enough I probably would have noticed. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the Gimme is slightly more uh, efficient than the, uh, the old VDG chip. 
That could be. It could be a difference depending on the Coco 3 has a, uh, an 86 or an 87. Give me maybe the 87 was a bit more optimized and I had an 86. Something different in the same emulation in the Gimme. Could be the RAM upgrade. Like it could be running like 120 nanosecond dynamics versus static RAM or something. Maybe that makes a difference too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. End of the day, does does that really matter? Well, in this case, I mean, you can see how far ahead the Coco 3 is now. Yeah, but does it so matter? So the game's playing literally like 5, 10% faster at least. Well, I wouldn't I, say better. It's different. Like it's if you're used demo. to playing a game with certain timings, like if you get some of those <sighs> dragon games that, you know, pixel perfect jumps are required, you're going to have to relearn it all because now those aren't the same. Yeah. Now you're smashing your nose in the wall and not jumping back or whatever. So it would definitely have some effects on certain games, I think, for gameplay. So I'm kind of curious. Mark Hopefully Siegel Tim will have some like more that. details when we see him at the show. Squid, Nick? Uh, Mark Siegel says it looks like a different video mode, but I think that's probably just... No, nope. uh, that's just Artifact versus, versus RGB. RGB, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, Coco 3 is hooked up to an RGB monitor, so you know, you're know you getting pure black and white for P-Mode 4, and the Coco 1-2, of course, with RF is just doing the artifacts. Next up, um, I don't know how much Nick knows about New Zealand retro shows, but apparently they have them there too, just like they do in Australia. And Nick's actually you know, presented from a few of them in the past. <laughs> so this one's the third annual New Zealand Vintage Computing Media. And it's about an hour-long video where they kind of just go through and look at some of the different systems. And one of the ones they actually picked was a Coco 2. And I will actually play, I think, the segment because uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting to get their perspective on things. Uh, there's a bunch of others on here, too. I think it's 15 different systems. The Coco 3 was there. It just wasn't plugged into the monitor at the time. Like, you'll see some shots of it on the table beside the Coco 2. But I thought it'd be interesting to get some perspective from the New Zealand because I don't think we have anybody in our group from New Zealand that I know of. Ah. is I roll on the Color Computer 2. Um, this is my least capable 8-bit machine I've got. Uh, back in the day, these were cheaper than Commodore And Nick, your game's in there too. Yeah, well, that's right. I've got to sponsor this guy. Said it was least capable. Least capable of the machines he's got, so I don't know what all he has. They were a nice computer to learn, like, basic originally. Um, I never learned assembler on it back in the day because <laughs> I was a bit too young for that. Uh, I'm sure Taylor name would like his shirt. I've got a tape what, what's his name? The Matthew something. <laughs> yeah. It might well, say on the credits at the end. Yeah, he obviously uh, bought a copy of uh, my game, so I'd have him on, the, on a record. Yeah, um, first name's Matthew, and I think there is some credits at the end that actually would give his full name if you wanted to find it. Reed? No. Back him down. A few games still getting made. There we go. Pause the video there. He lives in Brisbane. When he was a teenager, he sold games to Tandy Australia. There's a pretty good one about a donut, donut dilemma. And you sure you're not paying this guy? No, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it is, I just got a free one. It's in semi-graphics mode. Um, <laughs> this thing being a power machine and a lot of the games coming out of North America relying on NTSC uh, artifact colours means the colours are quite shit in a lot of games. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, tell us how yeah. you really so feel. It's just a nice machine. I've got the whole... I, I believe I've heard Nick really describe it exactly yeah, the same. It's just fun going through all the old games that ah, yeah. used to look on the there? shelves of the candy store. <laughs> go wow and, and you, you know they were 30 bucks a game i, I just wish he had actually demoed the coco 3 because that's far more cable and some of your games on there are, are a lot more impressive he's saying that the 
Coco 2 is his uh, weakest computer out of his collection. I've been seeing to see what the Coco uh, 3 compared. Least capable. Yeah. Least capable, yeah. Now, he's got to look at it. It yeah, looks like an Apple II GS to the left office. That's more than the Coco 1 it and 2. Is, so. Yeah, well, that was... Our Coco 3 is more in line with the GS. Uh, yeah, or the, even the ST to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was really cool because I just kind of stumbled across that when I was just looking for stories. And uh, I never even heard that they the third annual. I didn't know they'd done two previously. No, neither. But yeah, if you I get in do. contact with him, Nick, I would love to maybe have him on the show for a little bit and, and maybe see if he uh, did demo the Coco 3. Maybe there's some other video that we don't have because I'd like to see what some of the people there thought about that. Because I know yeah. late at one point in the video, they actually they started playing a Coco 1 and 2 game. It wasn't yours, though. It was something else. I can't remember which one I was off the top of my head. But basically, they started playing it at a little a young kid, you know, maybe nine, ten years old, came by, oh, that looks fun, and he just grabbed the joystick and started playing it. And that's the kind of thing I'd like to see at the fest type thing, you know, where we get some of the young people trying out some of the old retro games and see what they think. Because a like, fun game is a fun game. It doesn't matter if the graphics are like, you know, 16 million colors at, you know, 4K res, or if it's this, you know, semi-graphics 12 or semi-graphics 4, or whatever. As long as the game is fun and engaging, then it doesn't really matter. The rest is just window dressing. I just want to point out they have Unisys Wang beach towels. It must yeah. be a cool place to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's got some old IBM PCs to the left there. I don't know if that's all his stuff or if he just owns certain parts of it. But uh yeah. Black Beauty Joysticks, he's got a Coca STC, which he also uh pimped on the show a little bit there, and he's got yeah, a Coca 3 that he never plugged so into he's this. Pretty active, yeah. He's pretty active, obviously, in the Coco. Yeah, I mean he's aware of the new stuff that's out, so. Yeah, but yeah. If you, if you look him up, I, I imagine you don't have too many orders from New Zealand. Actually, I think I think he's the guy who's also does all the system eighties as well. You know, had the the Dick Smith system eighty, the TRS eighty oh, okay. model one clone. I think he's a, he's a fellow who does all those. But get, get in contact with him and see if he wants to pop on the show for a high meet and greet or something like that, and we can we can pump you know or, or pimp his. Uh, Retro shows and stuff here, for his channel or anything else too. Money, so. <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think he's a fairly active uh, member. Okay, cool. Well, if you can get a hold of him, uh, see see what you can make happen. Okay, next up, and this is something you will be able to get at the fest. So, Brendan Donnie posted this in the MC10 group on on Facebook, and he says, "My daughter and I are working to make some Pi Key 10." which the wired USB keyboard and Atari joystick adapters for the MC-10 will be available at CocoFest, currently targeting around $60 per installation kit. If you're going to be at CocoFest and are interested in this, please let me know, especially if you have a preference for color of 3D printed rises and stands, since there will be a limit as to how many we can bring with us on the plane. Please see the photo or the website at pikey.tech, and that's P-I-K-E-Y for examples. So here you can see these actually got a USB keyboard plugged in. He's actually got a Atari-style joystick here. He's got a black case over here and an orange one, a red over here. And basically, it's it's kind of like the way his Coco VJ, where you have this riser to basically separate the top half of the case from the bottom half with some extra space to fit the satellite boards to do this kind of stuff. Um, it's even got the uh, Pi key thing here where you can you know, have a bunch of options for the keyboard. Um, and then the second picture... Kind of shows it all plugged in. So he's got, you know, two Atari joysticks plugged in, and he's got the reset and the power buttons rerouted up the front there. Um, looks like a really looks cool thing. tidy, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I myself personally, I prefer the black myself because it kind of matches the background of the keyboard rather yeah, than adding yeah. a third color. But you know, if you want to show it off, I'd yeah. pick orange because you're definitely going to notice it. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, the, the biggest complaint most people have the MC10, aside from the fact it's not a cocoa, is that the keyboard is hard to type stuff in. Like it's great running an emulator where you can use a PC or a Mac keyboard or whatever else, and then you can just type into your heart's content. It did have the function key thing that you could do like quick graphics and you could do quick keywords and basic and stuff like that, which helped. But the keyboard, even though it does have keys that actually press down, unlike a membrane keyboard like City Atari 400 um, or the Odyssey 2. It was still pretty difficult if you wanted to actually write a program on a real MC10. This kind of solves that problem. If you want to scratch that itch of actually programming on the original hardware, um, you can you add a composite uh, board or the Coco VGA to it to pump it up to a modern monitor. He's showing the Coco VGA here. <laughs> and then you can plug in some Atari joysticks, which kind of remaps to keys so that you can actually use standard keys that most MC10 games use to control stuff with the joystick. Switch style. And then you've also got you know, a full USB keyboard, and you can like he has a small portable one here, a Bluetooth almost looks like, or ones that you'd see more commonly on Bluetooth. Uh, but you can also get the full wide ones with like multifunction keys and a mirror keypad and all kinds of stuff on there. So that that would be just cool. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this. I don't have an MC10. If I had one, I would definitely be interested in this. Uh, but I definitely want to give it a try and just see what it feels like. Yeah, your keyboard template right in front of you, and there you go. Yeah. And you can redefine keys and stuff here too with that little bit of software he's got in. And that's controlled by the keyboard or the upgrade itself. So it's not stealing memory from the MC10. From what I understand, I'll verify this when we see Brendan at the show. Next up in the Dragon section of things here, uh, John Whitworth of Dragon Plus Electronics has a couple of updates. So the first one here, he's got an update on the Super RGB board. So he's been going back and forth and doing some design changes and stuff. And now he thinks he's got it stabilized. So he's sent off to all PCB again to get some new boards um, to put together for him. Somewhat refined, corrected boards with the prototyping malarkey, as he calls it, taken off. So all the test points and through all resistors, et cetera. He thinks the board's stable enough now. You don't really need all those out. So this is going to be a more clean board. Probably not quite the final production run, but getting close. And here's a zoom up of the uh, drawing of it, basically. So it's an RGB circuit. Based on the original Dragon RGB board redesigned for SMD, you hardware guys that have to tell me what the heck that means. And brought to you by Dragon Plus Electronics. Surface mount. Service mount. Okay. And what does the D stand for? Service mount device. Don't okay. Get with He's, the program, Curtis. I'm not a hardware guy. You're you're being a trader, Nick. You're turning into a hardware guy now. <laughs> Anyway, it looks, it looks good. I'm definitely interested to see where this goes because uh, I've seen some of the RF output from the Dragon, which ironically is better than the Coco usually is, but it's still somewhat subpar. Um, going straight to RGB would actually look really, really good. And then the second update from John, and uh, he mentions here, I've had a couple of queries about the lowercase starter board as although it's not been listed for sale for a while, it's still been on the products page of my website. The reason I stopped selling it is because the price of suitable prom EPROMs, which is what holds the character sets, the alternate character sets with true lowercase, et cetera, uh, have gotten ridiculous. And I, uh, he mentioned specifically the Atmel 27C512 has quintupled in price in a year. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sure your hardware guys are well aware of all the stupid chip problems we've been having the last three years. Um, but basically, he's actually made a, a kind of a dumbed down. He said, I found some new old stock 2756 EPROMs. 
which will only contain half the character sets he had bundled with the original 512 version, uh, but still give lowercase accented characters and some other things. And you can upgrade to a 27512 if you want to find that, but he's basically bundling the, the kits with this. And basically, this board is now available again because those chips you can still get at you know decent decent prices. And for those of you who have not seen what the output results for that is, here's, here's the board itself. And he's got this nice little zoom in. You can kind of go through it. But here's some of the alternate uh, fonts here. So here's got one that's actually got some graphical shapes in it. True lowercase, thickened characters, so they're basically pre-bolded for you. Yeah, that one looks good. And there's the inverse version. Some of them have serif, some do not. Like this one here. And the invert one. Um, here's one that's more of the thinner style with some of the special characters in there too. And then some inverse for now. There's some lowercase. There's more of your standard stock character set. Now the slash zero, I think that means that it's more of a T1 VDG style, except without the lowercase enabled, which of course you can do. So there's the lowercase. So that's kind of like the T1 equivalent fonts. And then here he's got some redefined with European characters, etc. That's more of the stock Coco 1 and 2 original VDG without the zero slash and the big square O. And here he shows some screenshots of an actual game in action. So this is Quest by Aardvark, which is kind of a RPG-style exploration game. <laughs> but it was reprogrammed to use lowercase. So he's using lowercase to its full extent. And even on the maps, you can see the semi-graphics are still working. The standard you know, punctuation characters are still being used for mountains and swamps and the river, etc. But now the actual prompts are in true lowercase, so it kind of gives you an idea. Here's got a font that's shrunk a bit vertically, so it gives you a bit more separation between the characters vertically so they don't run together. It's a little bit easier to read for some people. A lowercase version of that as well. And here's one that's a bit expanded. It's a bit bigger than normal. Which I think the lower kit by Dennis Kitts used to do. And here's one really shrunk vertically. We got a, The lowercase is being represented by shorter versions of the same uppercase characters. Cool. So... And the Coco VGA does this too with redefinable character sets. I don't think this one is redefinable. Maybe the Atmail version did, but the uh, the current EEPROM, I'm assuming is not, but I'm not positive. Anybody in the chat who's familiar with this, if, if Karen's here, for example, might be able to explain this better. But for 20, 20 pounds, that's actually not bad. Uh, he didn't have to jack up the price now. And, and you, like I said, you only get half the fonts that you would have gotten on the original version, but it's still true lowercase with multiple font selection anyway. Um, nice, nice upgrade kit honestly, and cheap. And then last one and last story for the day, Matt K is now stocking replacement Dragon Disk Drive stickers. If you're missing a badge oh, yeah. or if it's all knackered up, you can actually get a replacement to uh, put on. And of course, we've seen this for the, like the main badges and, and RAM badges and stuff on the Cocoa, et cetera, too. So it's nice to see they're getting some replacement label love for the ones that are damaged from age and yellowed out or you know starting to peel off and getting all bent etc so if you have an actual drag and drive and this is for a dual floppy as you can see there there's two holes for two different five and a quarter inch drives um that's ah. good and that yeah. is the end of the news for today blame on now i'm guessing ken never made it back on yeah i'm right here oh you are here okay good I had to go get an iPhone so that I could uh, join because my crappy phone didn't have enough Wi-Fi signal. 
<laughs> yeah, I, just, I remember you had problems with your uh, GPS on your crappy phone too. Yep. Yeah, that's what I get for buying a Google phone. Yep. I'm on the shortest route home. Okay, here's a dirt road going through a riverbed. iPhone all the way next time. Anyway, I don't know if you caught what we were talking about when I tried to vamp as long as I could on the uh, the Game on Challenge stuff. No, I was completely out of the loop. I, my, my internet's still dead, so. Okay. Well, we covered tea time a bit, and uh, I mean, we can you can maybe expand on that if you wish. Kind of cleaned up the review part of uh, Eric's and stuff, discussed a bit of Eric's. But I definitely have a clue what your next game is. Also, the fact that there's some extensions because of the show as to how long the next games are going to last. So yes, if you want to uh, take that part over. Okay, well, uh, Tea Time is currently running till the week after uh, Coco Fest, so for two more weeks. So it'll be running for a total of three, and this one will also go for three weeks, so the um, it'll finish the week after Tea Time. And um, let's see, can I uh, actually show you? Yeah, here we go. You want to highlight it, Mark? I did it. Okay. Mm. This is the game... That we're adding. Oh, geez, it's by Roger Smith, isn't it? I believe so. So you've got uh, actually on the top of the screen there, you've got two kind of things. Uh, basically, your ship on the one side, it's like um, Stellar Lifeline. It's flying across from one end to the other. And the other uh, thing is a kind of a radar screen so you can see what's coming at you. You basically have to shoot the meteors or um, avoid them. Okay. So, yeah, this is a T and D game, if I remember, isn't it? Um, just a second, I will tell you. Okay, let's. Never seen that one. I have. Cosmic Sweeper. Sweeper, right? And Roger Smith, I was right. Yeah. So it's uh, kind of a three-dimensional type because uh, you can see dots on the top radar of where asteroids are going to be. And then they get slowly bigger in your uh, main view and you have to either shoot them or avoid them. So, yeah. Roger did a lot of really cool games for TND. Like some of his stuff was really commercial quality. Um, mm-hmm. He published one game I think he did sell commercially through Novsop, wasn't it? Uh, Skyway kind of looked like Zach's on at first glance. Yeah, we played that one a while back. Yeah. But he's had some other 3D where you've actually seen like the you know 3D perspective lines of the ground coming and then these big star things can get bigger and you have to shoot them out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah, he's done quite a few. He did. Uh, uh, what's that one where you're running across? Something would do with fire. You have to, you know, use a shield to block fireballs, and you have to duck and jump. And oh, um, um we might have played the that dragons one. shooting fire at you across the castle moat. No, they're actually coming nah. towards you on a running ground. Oh, okay. Um, shoot, I think it has fire in the title. To be honest, it's on my site. Yeah, I know. I think I know which one you're talking about. But yeah, he did. He did a lot of really cool stuff. And the fact that he gave, like Andrew Perskursky did, he was quite prolific. Like he did probably a dozen or so machine language games, and they were they were good enough that you could have sold them. Um, and he just you know gave them to the T and D. I mean, obviously you got paid some money for that, but uh, you know T and D was just a tape magazine, so you paid eighty bucks a year and you got twelve new games from Andrew and. You know some old Tomic stuff, plus Roger and a few other machine language game writers there, and 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 his were I think out of the T and D ones, other than stuff that was relicensed commercial stuff like Tom Mix and Oregon Computer Systems. His stuff was probably the top quality out of all of them as far as presentation, et cetera. 
along with a few like like Terry Steen did a few uh, there too. Like we covered a few of his when we did the interview. What did you say his name was? Roger Smith. Smith. I've tried finding yeah. him. I haven't been successful so far. <laughs> I've never played this game before, but uh, it looks looks uh, like my kind of game. Uh, right up my alley. Uh, shoot yeah. Him up. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just it's shoot anything coming at you. I, I do have this on my site, right? If anybody wants some details yes, in you gameplay. Do. Okay. I stole I, the pictures off your site. so Okay. Because I did pass 750 games this last week or two, so I'm about half done now. <laughs> yeah, not, give it another 20 years. Might be there. Zoom in. Yeah, well, the, you know, as long as if, if Nick's going to keep like rehashing or re releasing his old games, so we can crank them <laughs> out faster just to slow me down. <laughs> we just got to get more people actually making games for the Coco to really get Curtis behind. No, we do. I mean, we've got, you know, Paul Shoemaker's been cranking out a bunch lately. And um, who's the guy we just covered that did the ants thing? He's Richard Kelly. He's he's cranked out a few lately. Paul Thayer, you know, he just released Kokobon. He's got a couple others on the go, too. I mean, yeah, it's, there's no shortage. We've got a whole new category, network games. So. Oh, right. Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm actually doing what Chronologic Gaming is doing. I'm trying to clean up all the old ones. I'll throw in new ones as they come out, and I'll throw a couple newer ones in, like I did recently with uh, one of the Maze games, um, just to you know not have everything like 1982 at the moment. But there's there's so much stuff. <laughs> I went. I, I was going through with uh, Brian Palmer Breeze on on Discord, and I sent him my 82 list of all the games I found advertised in all the Coco magazines, 80 Micro, 68 Micro Journal. They were commercial. And I'd say half of them, nobody has. They're not on the archive. I don't have them even on all the discs I went through. Um, eventually, I will publish these lists publicly because uh, I'm still seeing if I missed any. And plus, I've, I've got a few discs to go through. I have found a few that were missing. But uh, I don't know if anybody knows any Coco people that were active in the very early days and like basically copied everything they could get their hands on. But uh, if, if you guys know any people like that, like Alfred Santos, who did the original Coco Chronicles history way before Boise did the book, uh, he was active right from, I think, Christmas of 1980s when he got his. So he actually did know, like he got the first issues of CCN, Color Computer News, when they first came out. So he might have some of that stuff, but if he wasn't a pirating type of guy, we may not have the software. So I really want to fill in those gaps. Those two 4K games I got the last couple of weeks, that was really yappy and chuffed about that. So I'm hoping we get some more. But if you guys know anybody or you guys have any stuff that's not on my site, just ask me, fire me a message in Discord or an email. I might have it and I just haven't gotten to it yet. There's, you know, hundreds of those. But if you by chance have some stuff I have not been able to find, I definitely would like to see them. Or if you've ever wanted to write a Coco game, just make it and send it to Curtis to put on his site. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> And now I think, Mr. David Ladd, you had something you wanted to present, talk about? And that's the yes. end of the show, folks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick. So, yeah, one of the things that, uh, let me go ahead and share my screen or my window here. Do, oh, do, 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 as soon as I find it. As soon as I find it. Grease weasel. No, it's not a grease weasel. And no, I can't uh, <laughs> highlight him because he's not showing video. Real time clock. There well, I can turn the video back on too. But uh, all right. Okay. So you should be able to see this, right? 
Yeah. No. Disk the, extended color basic 2.1. Right. So In one MAME. of the things that uh, as soon as I actually get it back to MAME, so I can see what I'm doing. Um, so one of the things that I've been working on is a updated alt control reset image for my Coco 3 that's going to the fest. And I just wanted to show this. This is not the correct image that will be at the fest, but this is just a teaser. Um, so this is what mine <laughs> is through MAME because I use MAME to test it. Um, and this is just a preview. And one of the other things I did. Why does that look satanic to me? Yeah, I was doing that same thing. <laughs> Would have been better in red. Ooh, on my screen. Need a couple of horns. That's the standard color on blue. Um, but one of the other things I did, because I usually use a monochrome monitor on the composite out behind the cocoa, so I can still see what's going on without having to walk around the table. So I'll put it on composite. And as you can see, it's black and white. So all of really? the modes. Even, even the graphic ones are all got the, the uh, what's called the color burst disabled. So I had to edit those values as well in the ROM image. So that way the uh, monochrome monitor doesn't get confused with the color burst signal. But, of course, for some reason... It, but otherwise, the main thing is uh, that I'm teasing is at least the uh, the uh, alt control reset for the fest. Do you have a slightly less creepy pick you could use? <laughs> oh, but Curtis, you don't even want to know what I used for the actual one for the fest. <laughs> oh, this isn't the one for the fest. Oh, this is a teaser one. This, this is, is just when you're starting to enter the pits of hell. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> you can't show it on TV here, huh? Yeah. No. So tune in at Live at the Fest for The Exorcist on Dave's Coco. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's going to be yeah, doing poltergeist for the folks. The intervention list for Coco Fest is growing and growing. But, yes, I, I just want to do something special on the Coco for the Fest. Oh, that was special. That I wanted to use and also, you know, has that Easter egg, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, anybody who's had a Cocoa 3 knows that switch because you can cold start a machine no matter if it's crashed or anything else. And of course, it was cool to turn it on in the early days when the Cocoa 3 was first released in the Radio Shack stores because most of the managers had no idea how it got there. And there would be nothing there hooked up to load anything, no cassette, no disk drive. They're wondering how the hell did somebody get a picture on this? I remember <laughs> doing that. <laughs> now that's funny. That's funny. And of course, Mark was uh, pretty livid about finding that in there because uh, Mike Ray just said, Yeah, we'll fill it with some random data. You can use part of, part of a random number generator. It's actually a full digitized picture. <laughs> Paul Barton has a, a Simpsons picture in his. Uh, computer and then he also changed the startup screen you know when you go to the green screen um he has his own wording maybe i'll bring um his computer to the fest 
Yeah, if you could, I haven't seen that. Well, actually, I've never seen it in person, but I remember the pictures on his uh, yeah, not on Saturday a, Night page. He's got a special um, keyboard hooked up to it, so I got to be careful. It, it's not too fragile to take on a drive, though, is it? That's my one worry. As long as I have it wrapped up good in the okay. suitcase. Hopefully, a suitcase doesn't get lost on the plane. <laughs> oh, you're flying? I thought you were driving. Yeah, okay. no, flying. <clears throat> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be careful taking it on a plane because um, Richard, I think it was last year or was it? Oh, right. Yeah. He, he lost ago. everything. So he lost tools, whatever equipment he brought. Yeah, they stock. Don't don't tell me that. I'm going by plane too, and I'm bringing a lot of cook, a lot of my cocoa stuff with me. So uh, better not get lost. Holy cow! Well, all I can say is make sure you insure it. That's all I can say. Insure it. <laughs> my my secret when I still flew to them. Now I got to take too much stuff, so I can't. But when I used to just take like a cocoa or something like that, or maybe some discs or whatever, I, if I could, I would fit them on my carry on. So I always had them with me, even if they lost my clothes, and my suitcase, I'd still have my cocoa stuff, which is obviously more important. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm, if I'm doing the Friday, you know, the Saturday night jam session naked, oh well, you know, at least the cocoa's there. Wrap <laughs> <laughs> a cocoa around your. You know. I'm, I'm using my clothes to like, you know, pad the uh, equipment to, to, you know, as as packing, uh, packing material. <laughs> yeah, you can use it for cushioning the the stuff. I've used that too. Now, before anybody gets scared that I'm actually going to do that at the fest, I'm driving now. I don't fly, so I don't have to worry about that. I will have enough room in my car for everything. Ken may have to ride on the roof, but you know, there's room enough for the. Oh, that's good. I, don't know. I haven't told you how much stuff I'm bringing. Well, the stupid thing is my my small smaller uh, HDMI TV died, so I'm having to bring. I don't know what this is a 32 inch or something stupid, maybe even bigger. It's just mm-hmm. huge. So, so Patrick, how are you getting to the uh, to the hotel? Are you uh, going to do Uber like me, or, or uh, what are your plans? Who me? Yeah. Oh, my 2012 Camaro, which I'm driving from Milwaukee. Yeah, he's oh, only a couple hours away. So, oh, okay. I'm I'm okay. I'm sorry. I got mixed up. Who was it that's driving? Uh, sorry. Who is it that's flying? I am. I am. I am. So, so what time are you getting? Well, what time are you guys all getting in? Yeah. Like I said, I'm Friday. I, I'm getting maybe a we could up. share an Uber or something. I, I don't know. My thoughts. I think my flight Depends comes when in your about 5:30 yeah. on Friday, yeah. and actually, I'm on the same flight as uh, uh, Tim and AJ. Okay. What time do you arrive? I'm sorry. I, I think I yeah, about there. five five thirty. We leave five. it to like eleven thirty Pacific time, so it's like okay. three hours. But bless you, lose two. Yeah, I'm getting in about ten on Friday in the morning. Yeah. Um. You know what? It'll so take two hours just to get to the rental car, but you know. So am I. I'm. Uh, I'm arriving about ten at, at O'Hare. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you guys so, might be able to sync up and share new. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah we, should, we should link up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess uh, PM me on uh, Discord. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. All right, that's cool. All right, see what we can do. Thanks. Love to help, but I'm sitting in the only open pocket of my car with crap <laughs> all around me. <laughs> I remember that so much from the fest in the '90s. Like people would drive up with a van just stuffed to the gills with cocoa equipment. The passenger seats full, the back seats full, the trunks full. Stuff strapped yeah, to the roof and totes. And true, I'm gonna have a lot of stuff well, with me. You know? I don't know for some reason, uh, you know, with each time that I've been, uh, I get this little love note in my luggage from the TSA. 
from David Ladd. <laughs> For some reason, they take a lot of interest in my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I have had people go through my luggage driving across. Not very often, but it's happened twice where they really went through it. So I've actually, like, I'll be taking my cocoa and stuff here. Um, I'm actually not even bothered to put the screws in. If they want to see it's a circuit board with some stuff on it, here you go. I'm not smuggling anything. So rather than make it difficult, I'm just taking the screws out and I can just pop the case off quick. Yeah, I had, to, I had to take my computers out when I was going down to VCF and plug them in and turn them on for the guys at the border crossing because they're basically bored and they're talking to me about retro computers and they wanted me to well, show wanted them a demo. My, I thought that one was well, they, just Because I was in a like a crossing that was like in the middle of nowhere so these poor border guards were bored out of their tree so they were like going through everything in my car yeah, you were the one car that day yeah <laughs> so they got mm-hmm. me to uh um pull my computer out and plug it in and hook it up to the tv <laughs> i'm surprised they had it or did you had to bring your own tv in i would imagine yeah i had uh okay. <laughs> i just had that little screen that i bring that i can hook the uh Switcheroo up to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal so much of the trunk of this stupid thing, but uh, it works. So, and I, and so the works. secret is to go through Niagara Falls. Uh, no, that was no Niagara the, Falls is busy as hell. That yeah, was well, the, they uh, don't take the time to search you. Hopefully, the stop. Oh, no, yeah, if they want to be dicks, they're dicks. That's they the always got time to search you. <laughs> it doesn't matter what direction you're going. If it's Canadian customs or U.S. customs, same thing. If you get the person who wants to be a dick that day, you're going to be banging around for hours. That's why, like Ken, I go through like you know Monchi or Morgan, you know, which isn't even open twenty four hours. There's no town; it's just like a little building on either side you know, with some scrub brush, when gravel say, road almost. When you say Dick, does that mean detective? <laughs> <laughs> just no, the, all the bad border guards are named Dick. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, oh, that's how you can tell. Okay. It's Richard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't have anything else. Does anybody else have anything they want to do before we close up here? Except for uh, we'll see almost all of you at the fest, which is awesome. Very yes. cool. And like I said, if we if we do broadcast something, it might be on Sunday. Who knows? We'll have to. Apparently, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, maybe do some experiments Friday night or something just to see if it's even possible. Or yeah, try just, some try some lower bandwidth. Well. I, I just find it strange that it, it didn't want to play nice. Yeah, testing went fine, but when we hit, when I hit the go button, it just fell on its face. Yeah, but with all the other stuff going on around the the internets today, the, that may yeah, it might have just been that. I mean, we had disconnection problems from open. Yeah. You might want to try yeah. again just to verify. The Chinese okay. balloon flying over. Probably. Yeah. Uh, my 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 problem was nothing. Actually, it's not just my internet. My phone is gone. My internet's gone. My TV's gone. Everything. AT and T died for a while. Here, they rebooted something, and it all came back from nowhere. There could be some kind of big thing that happened today that we don't know about yet. Canadian is going like with Red Dawn thing. Sounds like another Rogers thing. Maybe it was an EMP. They lost an amp or something. Well, I mean, there was that game about missile command over. Canada, maybe that's actually started. <laughs> yeah. I think Ken was off when that was going on, wasn't it? It was. I I did catch that part though. I was had, oh, okay. I was trying to send some messages on my phone, and it was intermittently connecting, and I saw that part. 
Yeah. Actually, Ken, I was going to ask you when 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 do you arrive here? Um, I'll be getting to Saskatoon Wednesday afternoon. Oh, okay. So basically just you'll have a sleep and then we'll head off first thing in the morning. Yeah. So we'll have to figure out exactly what time that's going to start. So, early. so I'm leaving here on Tuesday morning early. Just I might as well just the- drop the car off. You just crash in the car and we'll get going. The morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just sleep in the car. If my son comes, you'll be able to hear the author of Ron's Garage music. <laughs> okay, cool. Is you, Are you bringing the missus to the show? No, she's not coming. I'm, I'm bringing my mom to uh, Toledo, Ohio, and then I'm going to rent a car and drive to Chicago. Oh, okay. Oh, that's where I got confused because you are driving part of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound like anybody else has anything else to present. I know some people are like I said are going to keep the potter dry for that any announcements at the fest itself. Um, but I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, a lot of you again, and uh, some of you for the first time, like uh, Bob. And I guess I have met uh, Boat already in person, but it'll be the first time he's been at the show. So uh, are Fred, we we've never met in person. I don't believe either. So that's that'll be cool. Uh, that's right. We haven't. I've met a bunch of you, you came, a couple of years came ago. in November. 21. Yeah, yeah, the one when us Canadians weren't allowed to cross the border, so I we can yes. go. Until the By day after. Two days. Yeah, the day after. That's right. Yes, Monday. Yeah, you can go now. So are we going to have all... Dilemma? On, is that one of the goodies me. that we're going to get? <laughs> also, my understanding is there's a White Castle right near if people want to get something to eat for <laughs> breakfast or something. Is that true? I have a I have a negative story about uh, White Castle from a couple of years ago when I was visiting New York. <laughs> yeah, my, for me, White Castle's been hit or miss. The one in BC I yeah, went to actually was pretty good, but my my son, let's just say my son could not keep it down. <laughs> well, my dog didn't even eat it. <laughs> so, Mark, are you feeding White Castle to your cats? Is that the problem? Um, I don't know. Well, the, lately they've been okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I said, it's, it's like Denny's. You can go to some places and, and it sucks, and there's other places you go and it's actually pretty decent. So, my dog put the me. burger over and looked at it, and smelled it, and looked at me like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to it? kill me here? Yeah, what's the deal?" Okay, well, I think that's a good enough uh, place to sign off, and uh, we'll see a lot of you next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep. Okay. Let's run the outro then. Some people have big plans after school. What's little Curtis is going to do? Little Kenny too. L. Curtis is at work on OS9 improving the ease of use so his pen pal Nick can better program new games. And Kenny is at his Radio Shack Color computer playing his favorite game of the week. But wait, Curtis is now documenting every single Coco game. And Kenny's now having a blast with the second game of the week. You could spend 24 hours a day inside your bedroom playing and working on your cocoa. That is until your mom yells the most dreaded words ever. Get outside and get some fresh air right now. You have to listen to your mom. What other option is there? On Saturday, April 22nd, come visit the Charmark Computer Booth 11 at Cocoa Fist to discover the answer. We look forward to seeing everyone there. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation Show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. See a lot of you next week in Bye. person. Bye, everybody. Watch out. David Lad's a hugger. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs>